The Bills' marathon of a regular season has reached its finish line. We begin with what has been a tumultuous week of emotions. The lowest of lows with the collapse of DeMar Hamlin to the highest of highs on Friday when he spoke to his teammates via video conference at their morning meeting. We heard players say it themselves, Eric. That's all they needed to be ready to play today. This week has been very tough for these players to get ready for this game, but as the week got on, the news got better and better, and you could see some smiles back on people's faces. It's a message from DeMar to go out and win this game, play with some emotion, go out and do your thing on the field. And it's uh, it's been a special week seeing this community, this country come together in support of what now everybody gets to know is such a special young man. going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yard. Buffalo on the board with the first play from scrimmage. Fakes the handoff, looking for Diggs, he's not open. Time to throw, still time, fires over the middle. Dawson Knox, touchdown Buffalo! A four yard touchdown reception by Dawson Knox. Hines takes it a yard deep in the end zone, gonna bring it out. Out to the 10, to the 15, up over the 20, 25, 30, gets away from the tackler, 35, 40, 45, 50, they're not gonna get him! He's going for another one! 102 yards! Naheem Hines sets Highmark ablaze with his second kick return touchdown of the game. Fake the handoff to Cook, evades Josh Uche on the pass rush, waving a receiver down the field. Did he overthrow it? No! John Brown runs it down for the touchdown! 42 yards! Allen takes the snap back to pass, has time, pressure coming, unloads down the left sideline, he's got Diggs, caught, touchdown, Buffalo! A 49-yard strike! Jones back to pass, looking down the middle of the field, post pattern to Henry, intercepted by Matt Milano! Coming out to the 5, to the 10, has blockers in front, out to the 30, and tackled at the 40-yard line! It's another red zone takeaway for Buffalo! Jones back to pass, under pressure, gets the ball off, intercepted by Tremaine Edmonds! Tim Drill City off the hands of Damian Harris and Tremaine Edmonds. The Condor scoops it up for the INT. New England is eliminated from the playoffs. Hey, DeMar, you asked, did we win? Well, it came six days later, but those boys you love got you the dub. 35-23 is your final here at Highmark. Buffalo improves to 13-3 on the season.
All right, your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. An emotionally charged day at Highmark Stadium, one that none of us will soon forget, maybe ever forget. Steve's still a mess here in studio after watching yeah, I, the highlights again. I uh, We could just – let's not do the show. Let's just run that loop, the, that highlight there <laughs> for three hours. I'll sit here and listen to it for three hours. It, uh I couldn't I it I was speechless. I was screaming uh as Naheem Hines returns that opening kickoff. I was I'm in the booth. I mean I'm you know, behind you and yeah. Eric, we sit up Maddie and I sit up there and we're we're watching the stats and looking at other games and you know, kind of keeping track of things. Out of our everybody was just <laughs> out of their seats. And I, I don't know how you I don't know how you keep it together for something like that. It's just everybody in the building felt like there was some sort of new supernatural occurrence in that moment. And it was really something to, to be a part of, uh, even though we were all just watching. It was amazing. Um, you, it, you wouldn't even dream of no. that. I it, heard. It's crazy. To, you know, people wouldn't even – you write a story like that, and people are like, it's dumb. You know, it's predictable. Predictable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, the uh, – Yeah. The folks on Good Morning Football, our friends there at NFL Network, even they were saying, if a Hollywood writer, you know, a screenwriter, handed this script in, they would have handed it back to him and said, look, you got to make it a little more realistic. Yeah, like, this, ca- this, this is, come on, the, you gotta two kick the, returns to you gotta the first the kickoff. <laughs> you got to change the kickoff return. There's no too. way. Um, and that's why a lot of the players after the game, Josh Allen among them, said, you know, watching that play unfold was like a spiritual experience. Um, you can't make that stuff up. And, you know, whatever your religious background is, it was hard not to believe there was a higher power at work yesterday. Josh Allen throws three touchdown passes. The defense gets three interceptions. It's been three years and three months since the last kick return was taken back by a Bills player. It was yeah, and that was Micah. I mean, yeah, on, a on kick, an onside, onside kick. kick. Yes, three months, uh, three years, three months. Unbelievable. So, and the whole day, uh, and it was, and I'll say this, and I know we, you know, in Bills fandom here, we we love we love it when the Patriots are miserable. I got to tip my hat to those guys answering the bell like they did after that kick return. That was a good game. Yeah. And I thought – and I, uh, Maddie and I talked about this on Bills tonight. I thought the Bills were very spotty in their performance yesterday. Certainly it was a tremendously inspired performance. But it was a roller coaster on both sides of the ball. Great plays and, and poor play on offense and defense. You saw some, some unbelievable stuff go on with the big plays the Bills offense did. The running game actually was still on fire a little bit. But you also saw, you know – they struggled at times, and I thought it. This game might go the other way for the Bills. Yeah, uh, we were talking about it. You know, we could always say, "Hey, it's going to be great. The Bills are going to be. It's going to be jacked up in there. Everything, everybody's going to go crazy. They're going to. They're going to blow them out." I don't know. I didn't think it might happen. And so when the Bills come out and hit, and the Patriots knew what they were walking into, and the Bills come out and get that opening kickoff, for the Patriots to come down and actually answer, yeah, answer and get it to actually their offense scored two touchdowns. And the Bills' only offense only scored one in the first half, mm-hmm. um, and then took the then the Patriots taking the lead in the third quarter, seventeen thirteen, or seventeen fourteen. I I got to tip my hat to how they performed. 
because they're, they're not that good a team. Right. And they walked into a buzzsaw yesterday emotionally. Uh, and, you know, they, they, it was a really good game. And they, they played well. And, you well, know, the Bills actually outdistanced them yeah, at I the mean, end. With all of the focus and the polarizing subject that DeMar Hamlin's health was this week, I think it might have been lost on some people that the Patriots had absolutely something to play for. They had control of their own destiny coming yeah. in here. Win and they are in. So, yeah, they're going to come after it uh, in this one. And, you know, that was that was the only concern I had going into the game because while they only played a half a quarter of football on Monday night, so physically they might feel pretty fresh coming into this game, the Bills I'm talking about, you had no idea where each and every player's emotional gas tank was. And you've said it time and again on this show, Steve, Football is more than just a physical investment. There is an emotional investment to get yourself ready to endure the physical rigors of the game. And if you don't bring that with your physical play, you're not going to perform well. And so I even asked Coach McDermott in the pregame radio interview, come the second half, are you going to really have to monitor guys to see where their emotional gas tank is? Because if it's still a tight game second half and some guy's struggling – you know, you may have to switch a guy. And, you know, Devin Singletary sat down for a quarter after his fumble. Dane Jackson sat for a while after he missed an assignment or two. Um, he, he was monitoring those things, knowing that, hey, you know, not everybody's going to have their yeah, best today. I think that's what I saw as well. There were certain guys in certain moments. And um, because, you know, there's, there's 53 guys, 45, 47 on game day that are out there gonna play, and they're all going to play. Yeah. And – some of them might end up like Naheem Hines, have the game of their lives because of what happened to DeMar. Mm-hmm. Others, maybe not so much. Some, right. guys, some guys might struggle with it. And I'm not, you know, you don't point fingers at it, but you, it, it leads to spotty performance by everybody. Yeah. And, you know, missed assignment in the back end or uh, a blown block or, you know, just not being in tune with the communication and right. running the wrong right, wrong split, something, that, you know. All of that stuff goes into the mix of, why that game, I think, looked the way it did yesterday for the Bills. Um, not their sharpest game offensively, although the big plays made it fun. Well, they, they won that game with big plays, flat yes. out, because two long touchdowns, big plays, two kick returns, big plays, three interceptions. That's how they won the game yesterday. That's it. And yeah. they only won by 12. Right. Like, the big plays is what carried them yesterday. That's right. And um, so I, you know, I'm. I don't think they they were far from hitting on all cylinders yesterday. They weren't like themselves. I think I'm, that's understandable. But I absolutely it's understandable. But I think that's. But I think that's where they are now, uh, and we'll see how. I think with a much more normal week ahead of them, uh, they'll get it get yeah. it back together, and and every reason to believe they'll they'll play well. To your point about how maybe not everybody was at their best emotionally to play, I think an indication of that is the steps Coach McDermott took this week. The locker room was closed. Only select players are made available during the week. And then even after Sunday's game, locker room still closed. And I heard Mike Giardi provide a reason as to why from NFL Network, who's been covering this story all week and doing a heck of a job, he said from what he was told, there are still players not ready to talk about this yet. And so that's Coach McDermott's that's Coach McDermott's measure to protect his players that are trying to focus on football and and right now cannot be reminded 
about that all over again so you don't spill all those emotions back out again. And now you're tired, you're exhausted again. Um, I thought Tredavious White's comments after the game were probably the most accurate portrayal of what a lot of these players are dealing with. I mean, he did not pull any punches about what they are dealing with. And I'll be the first to tell you, Tredavious White, he grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, he's seen a lot of bad stuff. I mean, he did not come from the best of neighborhoods growing up. He's seen a lot of bad stuff in his life, but to him, this trumps all of it because he's, he witnessed it from start to finish. I think we have the clip from Tredavious. Why don't we just play it to kind of paint the picture a little bit better? Just something that uh, I, I can't get, I can't unsee. Uh, every time I close my eyes, I, it, it, it replays. Um, I try watching TV, and every time the TV goes commercial, that's the only thing that comes to my mind, just the vision of that. So it's, it's been a tough week. been a tough week for our whole team, but it's not about, about us right now. It's about DeMar and his, and his family, man, and just what they, what they had to go through, his mom and his dad being right behind our bench and witnessing that their son go through that, man. It's just... It, it, it's, it's tough, and uh, hopefully we, we'll never have to go through this again, but uh, DeMar is he's one of the most resilient, like, honest, and just pure people that, I, that I've met, and um, it just shows what type of person he is. So we got a text from DeMar uh, yesterday morning around 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 30, 30, 2.31 in the morning, and for him to text us, and what he said was, I'm thinking about y'all. I'm sorry that I did that to y'all. And for him to check on us when he's the person that's going through what he's going through, man, that just shows what type of person he is for him to check on us in a situation like that when he's the one that's going through it. So it just shows what type of person he is, and hopefully we can just get him back. I just, I just want to hug the out of him because in the, in the meeting room, he's sitting like two, two seats two seats away from me, and uh, every time you come in the meeting room, T-Weezy. <laughs> so I can't, I can't wait to hear his voice and a able to touch him and, and just hug the shit out of him and, and hear that again. So uh, we miss you, man, and uh, just get back to us. But uh, it's, been, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard week. I, I mean, yeah. just listening to him, number one, but if you could see him speaking, he's holding his head in his hand. I think it just speaks to how emotionally exhausted this team was and to come up with the performance that they did yesterday I mean check check all of the boxes all the way across the board that was the best you could have hoped for from them with all of the stuff that they were dealing with this past week it was truly remarkable and for Trey and the rest of those defensive backs they're reminded of DeMar's absence every time they step in a meeting room because he's not sitting there with them right they, there's an empty empty chair yeah um I mean, it's that's rough. That's rough. Um, and you could, you could. I know some of you, you're mostly listening on radio, couldn't see Tredavious, and you could just see the burden of worry that has been, you know, weighing these guys down yeah. since the since it happened. And you know, now they got. You know, it was just oppressive in this building for two days until they got that welcomed news of and it was just a you know just relief uh and then you know the guys started thinking more f focused and 
about the game and started thinking about that. And then the game hits, and you can imagine the whirlwind of emotions. And it's not just them. And I know this this happens to most of these guys, like Tredavious and, you know, Josh and Knox, every one of them. They all have a support network. You know, Deion Dawkins brought his little girl to the podium with him yesterday. You go home, and your family is looking at you like with that question, like, are you going to, is that going to happen to you, dad? Mm. You know, is that why, you know, why don't we see, you know, um, and you got to, you got to be there for them as well. It's a, a I mean, there are a lot of people leaning on a lot of people in this room, in this building. And you could see it on the faces of the guys after the game uh, that they, you know, it's, it's good that they have each other to lean on uh, because it's not just about them. Their families are into it that, you know, because most of them, you know, you know, wives know each other. They, they know DeMar's family. Families know each other because they go to all mm-hmm. the games together and, you know, to watch them go through it. it you know, so it's, it's a big, wide-reaching scope of people who are affected by it. And to have these guys come out and play the way they did as well as they did, and even though we've said, you know, it, you know they won um, and they had, they had some superlative performances and they had some guys that didn't look like themselves. Yeah, and I it's, mean, it's you, just exactly what you would expect. Think about Dean Marlowe. I mean, that's the guy that had to replace DeMar in the lineup. Yeah. And I think there was a reason why Coach McDermott started Dean. I mean, look, he's a more than capable player. We know that. But I think he felt it was important to put a veteran player in that spot, a seven-year veteran on an emotional day. The player that's got to replace DeMar in the lineup is carrying even more weight, as far as I'm concerned, on their shoulders going into the game. Because, yeah, everybody's playing for DeMar. I'm playing his spot. Right. It's a little different. And I, Dean was asked about that, and he basically said, hey, you know, I leaned on my teammates, my family, my friends, my coaches, and it was reassuring to hear from them, hey, you're here for a reason. You've been there before. This isn't your first rodeo. You're a seven-year veteran. Just go do what you do and play your game. And that was the one co- one word of caution that Coach McDermott said to his team the night before the game, too. He said it was one of his shortest night before the game speeches ever. But I just told he said he just told them, do your 111th, do your job. Because there is a natural tendency when you're all jacked up to play for DeMar I'm going to do a little extra today and really make it count. And that's when your team can get in trouble. Somebody's out of a gap because they're trying to do too much to make a play, et cetera, et cetera. So he just wanted to remind them of that. And I think the busts were kept to a minimum, um, fortunately. So, yeah, it's a it's – a, I, I, I was trying to think of what comes close to that, and it's like the 101-yard interception return by Taron Johnson is a play that's going to be historic in its own right, and it was in a playoff right. game, but that was in front of 6,800 people. You know, right. it was during COVID, and, I mean, nobody, in, nobody that's a Bills fan is ever going to forget that play, but I don't think anybody that's a Bills fan is going to forget the day yesterday, the yeah. entire day. It's not just a play here, I'll a play there. It's the entire day. I said I noticed this too, and I and it was done for a reason. If you looked around the National Football League at all the other games, there was a number of unique and different tributes to Demar mm-hmm. by other teams. The Denver and uh, I can't remember who Denver played. Let me just uh, the Denver and 
Oh my gosh, I, I'm sorry. I know. I forgot. I'm, I'm out to lunch. Uh, Chargers, Denver, Chargers, and, Chargers. Y- yes, Denver and Chargers. They, the two players that wore the number three. Oh, Derwin James and Derwin Russell Wilson. James and Russell Wilson met at midfield and knelt in a moment of prayer while both teams were linking arms down the numbers. There were others as well. A lot of really cool tributes. In, the, in, the Titans in Jacksonville, they all knelt before the game as two teams at right. midfield that's before right. the game even started. That's right. Uh, that's uh, prayer uh, circle. So did so did the Colts and the. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the Colts. Play <laughs> the Colts and the Texans. Okay, they met at midfield to go. I I thought about that and. I realize why the Bills did what they did. The, the Bills introduced the, the medical staff, the training staff for the yep. Bills, which was absolutely appropriate, and I loved it. I'm kind of glad and I'm, that they didn't ask the players to do something special on the field. I don't know if they could have stood up to it. Yeah. I, don't th- I, I really don't think the players could have endured it emotionally. Yeah. Um, that's why I think the – the recognition of the staff and all of those people were done before the game. And so the players kind of came out, it's national anthem, let's play, coin flip, let's go, uh, was exactly the way they needed to handle it for the team, for the yeah. Bills guys. It was nice. The league did a nice job. You know, we had Commissioner Goodell on the pregame show here. He was at the game yesterday. So was Governor Holkel. So, yeah, it was, it was front and center everywhere around the league, but particularly here in Buffalo, a day that I don't think any Bills fan will ever forget. Um, let's go to the phones to get your takeaways from yesterday's game. I'm sure you got a lot to say about it, so we're going to lead off today with Bob in Hamburg. What do you have for us, Bob? You're on One Bills Live. Brownie, you did a hell of a job yesterday on the radio. Oh, thank you. Well, did you get your blood pressure checked after the game? Because I was worried about you. Yeah, I, I was joking with Steve. I was joking. Thank you. I was joking with Steve. I I almost popped a vocal cord on the on the second kick return for a touchdown. Uh, he gave himself a cramp in his I, back I, trying to take a back breath. My back cramped up as I was forcing air out of my lungs in a, at a rate that I don't think I've done in a while. So, yeah, it was it was a privilege to call the game and step in for Murph and Murph's son helped me out. He was our spotter yesterday. Mark Murphy did a heck of a job uh, making it easy for me. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if you could have asked for a more entertaining game to call. I mean, so many big plays in that game. It was insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good day. And, Brownie, yeah, we, uh, you know, we've spoken, obviously, before the show and but since. But, yeah, you did. I, I'm with him. You, I think uh, I've heard nothing but kudos about the job you did. I'm, we were listening to it, obviously, uh, behind you. Uh, <laughs> but Can you even hear back there? We, have, we, got, we got the – Oh, you have the headsets we got, on. Okay. We've got cans that we wear. And I did not know that. So we can – we hear you. Yeah, so right, it was really, awesome. you, you did great. That was, and I, I don't know, I don't know why you couldn't hear us because we, I was absolutely at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I did not hear you at all. I was losing. I got the cans on myself. Losing my, like I've never lost my mind before. <laughs> no. Not for oh, my, I wish we had a camera Not on for you. my kids, not for them, all the stuff <laughs> oh I've seen God. them do. My son scoring touchdown in professional football. All my kids, my kids being born, my grandkids, nothing. Wow. I have never lost my mind at a sporting event like I did yesterday at the opening game. Wow. Stinking game. Okay. I will I cannot It was it was crazy. I cannot tell you what that did to me in that moment. I, I don't think I've I've ever Here's the other thing too. Like you kind of scan the crowd on a play like that cuz you're trying to describe like what's the reaction? Obviously the place is rumbling because of the play and what happened scoring on the first play. But I will I will say 
until the day I die, there were almost as many people crying oh, as yeah. there were people shouting in joy for the end of the play. It was just the full spectrum of emotion going yeah, you really, through that bowl there. You you couldn't get your mind around it. It's so it's, it was such a fairy tale thing to happen. Um you know, I it was a, it was 90 the first one was a was like 96 yards yeah. and you just couldn't get your mind around it about is that a, is that possible? No flag at all. It's like not this is really happening, it, yeah. It's ridiculous. It was so unbelievable. I have a true appreciation for Naheem Hines' speed, too, because the yeah, last Yeah, the two, angle, man. Yeah, so it looked like the one uh, player, number 30, whose name's going to escape me now, and I should know this roster after doing the game yesterday. Wilson. Um, oh, yeah, it's P, uh, yeah, it's 30 there. Um, in any event, I, I didn't think Nick Folk had a chance because he he's old and he can't run and he's a kicker. Um, but that other guy had an angle on him. And as you said, he just completely flat out outran the angle. Yeah, ran like the outran angle. the angle. Yeah, um, ran it, and and nobody was catching it. You know, the last guy to had it was Matt Slater, and Matt he put up a, a valiant effort, but he was coming from the far side of the yeah. field. He had no shot. There and, was a part of me that felt bad for Matthew Slater yesterday. I don't know if you saw him at the post game podium. I did. He blamed himself and the special teams unit for losing the football game. I mean, they gave up two returns for touchdowns. They lose by 12. Yeah. Um, hard not to feel that way. Long and illustrious career for him as a special it's teams player, kind of like a yours. Teamer. He's, you know, he's been all pro and been to the Pro Bowl more times than I was, and he's a, he's a, a tremendous guy, a tremendous oh, player. Oh, great person as well a as a tremendous person. Yeah. Uh, and – some people had said that you know uh, Jim and Tony on the broadcast yesterday, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, uh, alluded to the fact that they had spoken and they were getting whispers that that Matt was might be calling oh, quits wow. after 15 years. Yeah. Um, well, maybe that's hey, probably he does, why he was emotional too. Hey, if he does, um, I know I get I get a lot of you know well wishes about the whole. That guy's a first ballot. He's a tremendous person. And for 15 years, I think he's gone to nine or ten Pro Bowls. I went to seven. Uh, that guy is that guy's a dynamite. Yeah. He's, he's a dynamite aces, player. Yeah. He's, aces, he's a great player. And uh, congratulations to him. If he does indeed call it quits, congratulations on a fantastic yeah. career. Let's go from one Bob to another. Here's Bob in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Bob? You're on One Bills Live. This is the original Bob. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. I was the I was the season ticket holder from 87 to 94 and was part of some really incredible games, <clears throat> including the playoffs, including the 1990 championship game. Uh -huh. So I gave up my ticket yesterday so my wife could take my 16-year-old grandson to the game. <laughs> right. And he has not put his phone down this morning without texting me about how thankful he was to be a part of something like that. I mean, it was just crazy. It yeah. was just crazy. There's... And uh, it's, uh, you know, now we're moving forward. I, I'm giving up my ticket to him next week as well. Yeah. Well, you have to now, right? It's your, now it's just your, it's a superstitious yeah, thing, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're, you know, they, they distributed probably 70,000 and, and change. Yep. And, and it was a sellout crowd, obviously, but they, they distributed all those tickets and there'll be 70,000 people with a story to tell. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, it's now part of all of their lives. Uh, they were actually there. And uh, they'll be, you'll hear the stories about a guy was outside in the tunnel. I couldn't get in. I missed it. Or, and the guys that were saying, that will say, I predicted it. Watch yeah. him do this. And, and they'll all be right. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because this game, now as we do, it was such a hurdle for all of us, I think. Yeah. Me, me in particular, too. I'm, you know, I've been telling you guys, it, it was a rough week last week. Um, that game yesterday was a real hurdle for a lot of people, not only the players and the coaches and the people here that work for the Bills, but I think some fans as well. It was the first home – let's not forget this. It's the first home game since the blizzard that unfortunately cost more than 40 people their lives here in western New York. And then you also have the DeMar Hamlin situation on top of that. And so this is the first time where the Bills fan base got to congregate as a community in the stadium yesterday since those two things happened. Two more tragic events impacting Western New York and the Bills fan base. It was the uh, Jet game was the last yeah. home game December 11th. Or was it? No, it was the, it was the it Dolphins was, game. Oh, I'm the sorry, next the week. Dolphins game. But the Dolphins game was at 8.15 at night. Yeah. The Bills had one, two... Yeah, they had the Chicago game. Three. Yeah. It was three home one o'clock games, four. Yeah, four one o'clock home games this year. Yeah. And because one of the because the Cleveland game got moved, it didn't that didn't count. Right. Four games. Yeah. At one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Which is just another thing to throw on the pile of you know, adversity that this team has had to face. And I know some people have said it already, and I'll echo it. I know there are a lot of deserving coaches in this league for Coach of the Year honors. Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. Sure. Brian Dable in New York. Sure. Coach McDermott wasn't only an A-plus coach this year. He was an A-plus leader for his team in so many different ways beyond football that – to me, he's a shoe in. Yeah, um, there's there's great coaches around. You know, even and we, I was watching. I I went to bed last night before the Lions beat the Packers. Uh, Dan Campbell is a guy that people are you know they is a guy that people would love to play for. You know, mm-hmm. uh, great coaches. It's a it's a field that attracts a lot of great men, um, and those guys kind of filter the top. Sean McDermott certainly. When you, when you ask people. You know, they shrug their shoulders and shake their head in disbelief about the job he did this last for the last seven or eight days. Well, we have to take a break here, but we're taking more of your phone calls when we come back. Judy in Buffalo, Steve in Florida, Rob in Tonawanda, hang tight. You guys will be up next when we return here on a Buffalo Football Monday. It's One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Bills fans, don't have tickets yet to our first home playoff game of the postseason? Well, here's your chance to be here this Sunday. Plus, get an Igloo tailgate for you and five friends in Highmark Stadium's Igloo Village. Brought to you by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York. Three winners will each win six tickets to the Dolphins game on Sunday, plus a heated and furnished Igloo to tailgate in. You can enter by visiting buffalobills.com forward slash Igloo Sweeps. Good luck. 
I don't think the weather's supposed to be too bad this weekend, but that's a nice amenity. My goodness. And it's one of those see-through igloos. So, like, you can see through it. It's not like you go in the igloo and you're, you know. Disappear. It's not a traditional Eskimo igloo, let's just say. It's heated. You know, it's, oh, it's heated and, you know, it's see-through. It's great. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I'm telling you, you cut that wind out of the equation and tailgating is a whole lot more fun, especially this time of year. Let's go back to the phones, though, at 803-0550, as we are getting your takeaways from yesterday's emotionally charged victory over the Patriots to take the two-seed in the AFC playoffs. And next up is Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Judy, or on One Bills Live? I want to give a, a shout-out to Taron Johnson. Uh, this man was coming back from a concussion in the Bengals game, and I, I – thought he had an exceptional game yesterday and I will never forget that he saved the playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. he's 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 one of the players I watch on the field all of the time yeah he's, I agree uh, with you, Judy he's been a rock for the secondary this year which has as you know Judy been beset by injury and has you know, had guys in and out of the lineup all year. He has been the one constant. I'll say this. We we talked to a lot of analysts on the show, and you're right, Judy. He's He is a great player, and we have Greg Cosell on every Friday. And we always get – wherever we – Taron Johnson comes up, Greg is always all over him, thinks he's the – Yeah. Oh, the, he's oh. great. They're only, he says <laughs> – Greg Cosell, his assertion is that he believes the Bills – and we all know the Bills played nickel – 96%. 96%. They're always in their nickel. Five DBs on the field. Greg Cosell, to this day, says it is only because Taron Johnson is such a good player. That's the only guy, the only reason mm-hmm. they can stay in nickel as much as they do. And we've seen, like Dan Orlovsky say, teams are now, they're trying to isolate Taron in the run game, get a lineman pulling out to, you know, get a big body on a little body. Yeah. And it's not working. Um yeah, Taron is a great player, and he continues to be great. And he did get – his concussion got lost in the shuffle of last week. Uh, but he cleared the protocols and played extremely yeah. well yesterday. Now, there are – I don't know this. There are situations where players, you know, have a head injury or get hit in the head, and, you know, the athletic training staff and the medical team will take a player off the field. They'll take him to the locker room. They'll examine them for a head injury. And they, if they're unsure, they may still place them in concussion protocol, you know, just as a precaution in the event that symptoms show up 24 hours later, something like that. But um, sometimes players that get placed in the protocol never really have a concussion. It's just, you know, a, an athletic or a medical staff being extra cautious and erring on the side of caution. And I don't know that that was Taryn's situation this week because I know some people ask me, hey, how do people have concussions and get out of concussion protocol in five days? It's, that, it's for that reason sometimes. They never even had one because of seeing a guy look like he had a head injury on the field. They check him in the back. They're not 100% sure. Let's put him in the protocol just to be safe. Right, and, it, and they say it's a head injury. You don't know whether it, you know, if it's a, a concussion or – some other type of injury, like a cut or something yeah. like that. So they don't, they don't tell us that. Yeah. But to Judy's point, Taron Johnson was outstanding at the line of scrimmage yesterday, knifing in and making tackles in the run front. I thought he, Tremaine Edmonds, and Greg Rousseau were outstanding in run defense yesterday in terms of just tripping players up 
at the line of scrimmage. I'm just going to say this. The New England Patriots do not, they are not blessed with a lot of players with elite physical traits. The two guys, matchup-wise, that you really had to worry about yesterday were Devontae Parker and Damian Harris. Both of those players have a lot of juice. And Damian Harris is a Bills killer. In three games against the Bills in his career, he's run for over 340 yards. That's over 100 a game. Yeah. Yesterday, he didn't get anything because they were keyed in on him every time he stepped on the field. And Taron Johnson got a tackle on him for no gain. I know Greg Rousseau got him for a minus one, and Tremaine Edmonds got him for a plus one. And I, I don't, I'll look up his yards per carry average, but it was not 7.2, which is what it was over the previous three times he played against the Bills. They did a masterful job against him in the run front. Yeah, that, the Bills' defense had some, some moments yesterday that were really good. I, and, you know, after the, after the opening kick, Mac Jones comes out and the Bills were dialed in defensively, too. They were, they were, you had to peel them off the scene. They, they ended up with a Rousseau sack on the first drop back Mac Jones had all day. So uh, they came in and uh, did a nice job on the Patriots. But, you know, they still – you could still see. You could still see they weren't right. Yeah, um, they're giving up twenty three points to that team. I think. I'm, I was a little surprised by that, but I, I I chalk it up to, you know, the situation. Yeah, let's go to Stephen in Florida next. Stephen, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Yes, sir. Hey, I uh, just wanted to say first of all, I've been following the Bills since the Dennis Shaw days back in the '60s. And uh, I just wanted to point something out. Uh, this might sound kind of weird, but I'm going to make this. There's several things that have been emotional highs that I've seen in the Bills' history. Now, follow this. Okay, first of all, O.J. breaking Jim Brown's record for 2,003 yards on December 16, 1973. His number is 32, so you have three with a unity, two. Secondly, the greatest comeback in NFL history, January 3, 1993. The Bills were down with three at half. They won in overtime with three. And yesterday's game, on the first month, the second Sunday of the month, one and two is three. They won 35 to 23, three bookends. And for me, the three plays, this is three again, the two kick returns by Hines, and Allen's bomb to Diggs. So three, 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 three. We love you, Demar. All right, thanks, Stephen. Nice job with the uh, numerology there. With the numerology, yeah, that's better than I would have done for sure. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty cool. Uh, thanks for the call, Stephen. We appreciate it. Uh, we're gonna move ahead to Rob in Tonawanda here. Let me pull him up. Come on, Rob. Here we go. Come on. There we go. Wow, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I just wanted to paint the picture for you real quickly. Um, whenever I watch a game at home, I have to stand. I can never sit. doesn't matter the score. I have to stand right in front of the TV. And this was happening, of course, yesterday. My wife was on one couch reading a book. My dog was on the other couch sleeping. And my 92-year-old father was sitting in his wheelchair. And when the kickoff happened and Heinz ran it back, John, I'm already standing, so I'm yelling. I scream. My wife screams because I scare her. Her book goes flying. The dog gets scared. 
She starts barking, and as I go to hug my 92-year-old father, he gets out of his damn wheelchair and hugs me. He's crying. It was the most incredible moment of my life, and I've been watching football for 50 years. It was just incredible, and I, I, I can't even explain it. Yeah, well, that's a great – I would imagine that your home is like many across western New York with the excitement that that play generated. So uh, good job painting the picture there, Rob. That was pretty effective. He's, his wife's book goes flying, <laughs> <laughs> and the dog's rousted from its slumber, and his dad, who's 92, is so pumped he gets out of his wheelchair. I mean, man, that's the best. Yeah, it's – isn't that the best? Yes, it kind of is. That's unbelievable. Uh, fantastic. Thanks for the call, Rob. That was a good one. Uh, let's go to Jason in Rhode Island. What do you got for us, Jason? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, Chris and Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And uh, as Steve likes to say, living in Rhode Island, I'm a pilgrim in an unholy land. So I, <laughs> I want to thank you for the, for the show that you guys put together for keeping Bill's diaspora informed, especially last week. You know, we were hanging on by a thread, a lot of us, and you guys pulled us through. So thank you. Sure. And, Chris, I heard you mention last week some folks in Cincinnati came up with a T-shirt to raise money for uh, DeMar's charity. And then I was listening to the presser with Josh and Coach McDermott, and somebody asked Josh, you know, how do you get ready to play a game less than a week after the events of, of Monday night? And he said, DeMar would have demanded that we charge forward. And I immediately got hit with an idea for a bill shirt. And uh, if you guys like this, I was hoping maybe you could run up the flagpole. The, the charging buffalo, the word charge above and forward below, kind of encircling the buffalo like it's giving it a hug. Demar's number three, right over the left chest, over the heart. Yeah. And I'd, I'd buy that shirt in a hot second. Yeah, it's uh, a good idea. I like it. Uh, we can run it up the flagpole. Well, no you promises, just, you Jason. Just, you but just did. Yeah. You just did, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> well, listen, I've been trying. You guys weren't taking calls on Friday. I, I had to call Friday and didn't didn't work out, so I wanted to try again today. And, uh, you know, obviously what a game, what a game yesterday. And uh, I don't know how much more they got in the tank left, but they've given us enough, I think, already. Or at least they've given me enough. All right. You know? Yeah, yep. thanks much, Jason. We're up against the break. we got to run there. Um, that is a question that we'll be entertaining here as we move through the week an inch closer to the wild card playoff between the Bills and the Dolphins. Everybody knows just by watching that team, they poured every emotion they had out onto that field yesterday. Now comes the challenge of refilling the emotional gas tank for a playoff game against a team you already played twice. Um Obviously, Tua's availability is going to loom large with respect to how that game is going to play out. But I think the Bills, more important than anything, are going to have to focus on themselves and refilling the emotional gas tank so that they can come into that game with everything that they're fully capable of from a physical and emotional standpoint. We are up against a break, so we're going to step aside here, be back with more of your phone calls next. We also have NFL Network's Michael Robinson Coming up in hour number two, it's all coming your way soon here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Hey, 
It's time for New York Lottery's Biggest Gift, presented by the New York Lottery. Dream big this season with holiday scratch-off games for your chance to win up to $1 million. You must be 18 years or older to purchase a lottery ticket. Please gift responsibly. This one's kind of a no-brainer. The Naheem Hines opening kickoff return for a touchdown that set the place on its ear. Yeah, we decided not to overthink it. <laughs> right? <laughs> This is a gift. I mean, when you really think about it, yeah. For for all that you know, the community and the team and the coaching staff and its support staff went through. This was a gift. Ten seconds into, I mean, fourteen seconds are off the clock, and they're up seven nothing. I mean, that was just special, special, special stuff. Unbelievable. It just leaves you speechless. I told you we. We, we started the show with the highlight, with the you know, game rewind, and it's all your calls on the radio and all the plays that were made during the game. I could listen to it on a loop yeah. for three hours. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. And it was, uh, I think, a little bit cathartic for a lot of people, a uh, big relief and a, and a welcomed sense of, you know, however normal you want to call a you know, pro football game, to go get into their seats and, and cheer the team on. I know it was for the players and the coaches. Uh, and they're going to, like uh, like our buddy Jason said, they're going to charge forward, you know. Yeah. That's New York Lottery's biggest gift presented by the New York Lottery. want to squeeze some more phone calls in here before we have to break again. Let's go to Gary in Clifton Springs. What do you got for us, Gary? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Pleasure chatting with both you two. Hey, uh, you did a great job on the uh, radio announcement kind of event. I actually tuned in to you guys and turned down my uh, TV uh, volume because uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but those announcers, I'd rather listen to you two guys and speedy recovery to Murph, by the way. Yeah, Hopefully thanks for that, awesome. Gary. Appreciate that. And another quick thing, real quick, is that um, if this is correct, that stat on the, uh, it wasn't that the fourth time in NFL history that two were ran back for a touchdown. It, there was three standing, so there's a theme right there, right? It was three, then we made it four. Well, actually, it's I hate to I hate to crush your 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 willingness to tie it back to Demar. It's the eleventh time in league history oh, right. that two okay. kick returns were taken back for touchdowns. Um, so yeah, but it, I mean it had been three years and three months since the last time a Bills player had done it. So mm-hmm. we were kind of clinging to that one, Gary. So I'll I'll volley that back to you to use at your discretion. Yeah, and you and you did yeah did an excellent job. Like I said. Uh, doing the radio broadcast. I mean, uh, I'm home was watching the game by myself like the other guy was standing in front of the TV, just, you know, excitement for our bills. And, you know, I used to be a season ticket holder. Had to give him up this year. But it was uh, awesome to see it on TV, and now uh, we're going to beat the Dolphins yeah. on uh, Sunday. Thanks for the call, Gary. Appreciate that. And thanks for turning your radio up and your TV volume down. Uh, we're never – we're always appreciative when you guys are doing that out there, so thanks for doing that. Um, let's move ahead to Clarence in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Clarence? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you today? Doing well, good. doing well. Good, good. First of all, I have two comments. The first comment is I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, the Buffalo Bills organization uh, with what they did over the past week. I think they uh, did a great job in not only just shielding the players and keeping them keeping them uh, abreast of what's going on with everything, and just the way that they they performed during the, the course of the week, and uh, also like to give a shout out to uh, John Murphy's family. Hope they're doing well. 
And you two gentlemen, I want to also congratulate you two because you were you were guys that I actually uh, really liked listening to last week because you showed a lot of professionalism, and that's that's great. We very seldom see that anymore on national TV. And my my second thing is that uh, during this course of this week. It changed my perspective as far as professional football is concerned. Mm. Uh, I've been a fan all my life, and this is the first time in two years, believe it or not, that I've watched a whole Bills game. And it was mainly because of the way things were done here with, with you guys and the Bills, and I want to thank all of you for that. And I hope all the fans uh, look at this as a different way because this is – this is life, and that's the way I feel about it now. And uh, I, I, I thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you, Clarence. Appreciate the call. Yeah, well said, Clarence. Well said indeed, and, and thanks for the kind words and the sentiments. Um, yeah, I mean, Clarence is not going to look at football the same. It's not just guys running around in helmets. There's, there's real people under those helmets, and uh, it's one of the – I guess it's probably just another layer of things that have come to light for a lot of fans – you know, these players are human beings, and their life is just as fragile as anybody else's. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's startling when we see things like we saw last week. Um, and it's traumatic. And, these, and, you know, today, White, we're, gonna, we're all going to remember it uh, for a long, long time. And uh, hopefully we'll never get numb to the fact that, uh, like, we all kind of came together after the DeMar incident. Uh, hopefully we won't forget to yeah. do that more often than just when tragedy strikes. And thanks, Clarence, also for the well wishes for John Murphy. We're all kind of keeping him in our thoughts and prayers as well as he's making progress in his recovery, so we hope that continues. We'll step aside here because in hour number two, resident member of Bill's Mafia set to make his weekly appearance, NFL Network analyst Michael Robinson joins us next for his thoughts on the emotionally charged victory over the Patriots yesterday at Highmark Stadium. It's One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And coming in for his weekly visit after Bill's Games, resident member of Bill's Mafia, NFL Network analyst Michael Robinson joining us on the show. Mike, how we doing? What would you think of that one? Wow. I'm pumped up. Um, I have a, re- a renewed sense of um, you know, uh, positive energy and humanity. I mean, like <laughs> I couldn't, uh, I can't put the words around it, guys. I didn't expect the opening kickoff, 
to go for a touchdown. I did expect some excitement. I did expect some energy, you know what I mean? But the opening kickoff, and it wasn't like it was anything super special. It was just a middle return, right? One cut, and then he sped down the sideline. Um, I mean, when I saw the New England Patriots players, you know, chasing after Naheem, you – I don't know. It just seemed like he got a boost of energy. It seemed like he got faster and they got slower. I mean, it was just, it was, it was divine intervention. It was, it, it was a great thing to see. Glad that our Bills came away with the win and they played with a lot of energy. New England Patriots, they're a tough team to match up against. And they, they you know, they gave our Bills all they wanted. But at the end of the day, we came away with the win, getting ready for the playoffs. You know, I was, we were saying that earlier. I was kind of tipping my hat to the Patriots. They walked into a buzzsaw. The emotion of that day, the whole league is is, uh, you know, acknowledging DeMar all the way across the league. They got to walk into his home crowd there in Buffalo with the stadium in the shape that it was in and then give up that kickoff. They actually came back, got up 17-3 early in the third quarter. The Patriots really did put forth an effort. Like, they, they knew it, you knew it, and they were trying to get into the playoffs, and they almost did it. Yeah, they sure did. And at the end of the day, I think I tweeted something a little bit uh, within the game. I'm so happy a defensive coordinator is calling plays for the New England Patriots because I don't know if they had a real capable offensive coordinator. We might have been in trouble. But at the end of the day, we won the game. The Bills Mafia came up. We showed up and showed out. And DeMar Hamlin watched the game as well. I was following his tweets all throughout the game, man. Big time happy moment for all involved. So let's talk about the defense a little bit here, Mike. I was really impressed with the effort, you know, at the line of scrimmage in the run front. Damian Harris has been a Bills killer in his career. He's only played three games against the Bills, but he's got over 340 yards rushing in those three games. He's, he brings juice to that offense, and I thought they did an excellent job of keeping him hemmed in between the tackles, never let him get out and get loose. Taron Johnson at the line of scrimmage, Tremaine Edmonds at the line of scrimmage, and Greg Rousseau at the line of scrimmage. Those are my three run defense MVPs. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I would throw um, Settle in there and Ed Oliver as well in spots during that game. When you control the line of scrimmage like our Bills did um, this past weekend, it's, they're a very tough team to beat, right? And I, I swear, Gregory Rousseau, did he make the first three plays of the game? I mean, did they even block him the first three plays? I mean, the guy was all over the place. And honestly, I could see the Von Miller influence on his game, using his body, being wiry, and being able to get uh, to the ball carry and get to the quarterback. But absolutely, the rush defense has to show up, especially this week against the Miami Dolphins. Who knows if Tua is going to play? Who knows what's going to happen at the quarterback position? So the Miami Dolphins are going to have to run the football, and our Bills gave up 188 rushing yards in that Week 15 matchup. So I expect um, our run defense to show up and show out. Yeah, as you start thinking about this matchup, third time, in the season, um, I kind of think now you look back on it, it's a good thing they didn't beat them twice in a row. It's hard to beat a team three times yes. in a row. Uh, and that both games were close, very close. So I think this coming into this game, is it, you think it's going to look more like week 15 or week three? You know? It depends. See, uh, there's, a, there's a factor that there's an unknown here. It's the quarterback. It's Tua Tungavaloa. Right. When he is playing, this offense is at a whole nother level. And I'm not saying it's because of how what our guy does and Josh Allen because of the big, strong arm and all the physical abilities. I remember talking to Daryl Bevel, the quarterback coach, um, week 15 before the game up there in Buffalo. And he said, Mike, he was my offensive coordinator back, back in Seattle. He said, Mike Rob, Tua 
can see pictures. Like he can he can detail a play from college and tell you exactly where every defender was standing, and he can see the windows. That's his superpower. And when you look at this office, the Miami this Miami Dolphins office with all the speed on the outside, they need his anticipation and timing for this offense to do what it needs to do. If they don't have it. I'm not so sure, so sure that this run game is strong enough that they could just lean on it to beat the Buffalo Bills. Now, in that in that second matchup, week 15, they picked on my man Teron Johnson. They picked on him. They ran weak. They uh, you know, tried to run at him a lot, tried to get big bodies on him. And then to counter that, they tried to run, you know, Tariq Hill in motion going across the field and then run back behind him, right? At the end of the day, we uh, Leslie Frazier may have to think about putting in base defense just in rundowns sometimes, just so that we don't give up that many big runs runs in, uh, early in this game. Speaking of defense, Miami's defense, I know they're playing against Joe Flacco and the Jets yesterday. And they only give up three field goals, but they've got some injury problems. They lack depth defensively in terms of experienced players they can put on the field. Xavier Howard might be a question mark. Um, Byron Jones hasn't seen the field at all this year. Uh, it's basically Javon Holland back there with a bunch of guys with people going in and out of the lineup. I know Buffalo secondary isn't the picture of health either with Jordan Poyer playing hurt. Uh, Dean Marlowe's in there, a veteran player trying to stem the tide in DeMar's absence. Tredavious White looks like he's kind of on the comeback trail after getting that pick yesterday. <laughs> but Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam on the other side are still platooning because one guy might miss an assignment. Hey, take a seat. Let's see if this guy can do better. Um, I'm thinking with these two secondaries in flux, Mike, we could be looking at a high-scoring game if, again, Tua plays. Yeah, again, that's a big if. If Tua plays, we could be looking at that. But I, I just rely on the veteran leadership um, from our defense. And, I'm, and, again, I say our. You know what I mean? I'm talking about Bills Mafia. Um, just looking at the veteran leadership from the defense, and I believe the line of scrimmage is stronger uh, for this Bills defense. Again, I can't talk about the linebacker play uh, more. You know, uh, Edmonds playing well. He he got after the quarterback. He made uh, some nice drops. You look at Milano. I always call him the glue uh, to this defense, always being in the in the right in the in the right um, space so that he can defend um, the opposing quarterback. But at the end of the day. This Miami Dolphins offense, they have a lot of speed on the outside, a whole lot of speed on the outside. And oftentimes they just send those guys deep just to create the space, right? Just to create the space so that when whoever the quarterback is for the Miami Dolphins, when they check it down, they want to break tackles and things like that. So this defense, our defense, Buffalo Bills, we have to be sure tacklers this week because there's going to be a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities in space. You bring the ball carrier down, we win the game. You know, we were talking about, you know, the Packers losing their opportunity to get into the playoffs last night with a loss to the Lions. And, and you know, Lions still playing hard for Dan Campbell. You got six games on tap this weekend. Is there any – what was the most surprising team for you headed into the playoffs this year? Like maybe – what was the biggest surprise? Is it a team that made it you didn't think would or a team that isn't there that should be? For Honestly, guys, um, it's my other team. You, you guys, you know, Bill's my first team, right? My other team is my Seattle Seahawks. You can't let a franchise quarterback like Russell Wilson walk out there doing, guys, I was in that locker room. I've seen, um, you know, Coach Carroll and guys get certain personalities out of that locker room just so that the organization can be Russell's. 
And then Russell said he wants to get out when I'm like, well, what are you looking for? Well, Russell gets out of there. Geno Smith takes the reins at the quarterback position and becomes probably one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the National Football League this season. I think he has number one or number two in completion uh, percentage. But to see this team get into the playoffs, this is one of Coach Carroll's like best coaching jobs. I mean, really, I've seen him smiling more this year. I've seen him seem like he was enjoying himself a little bit more uh, this year, and it didn't seem like he had to submit to a franchise quarterback like he had to do in past years. So to me, it, it has to be the Seattle Seahawks. They weren't supposed to be there. Nobody expected them to be there except the 90-plus guys in that locker room and in that facility. So, yes, yeah, definitely got to be the Seattle Seahawks. The Chiefs benefit from the scrap game between the Bills and the Bengals because they get put in control of their own destiny and they take care of business against the Raiders. Uh, and they'll have home field throughout the playoffs unless they face the Bills in the AFC title game. That will go neutral site. I've got to bring this up, though. What's up with the ring around the rosy play? I mean, is that like if you're the Raiders, I, I need to know this from a player's perspective, Mike. If you're the Raiders, is that, a, is that an insult to you that they think they can play these kinds of games and run a play like that against you? Or as a Raiders defender, do you have to say, I got to stop them and make them pay for – these kind of hijinks. You got to practice that during the week. You know, like I, that doesn't just happen. Can I say all the above. That's totally can I say choreographed. All the above? <laughs> Look, man, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they be so disrespectful sometimes. Oh man. my goodness, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And as a defensive player, I will be looking and saying, "Oh no." There's no way in hell this play is going to work. I don't care if I got to do something, slam somebody or something. There's no way you're going to do ring around the roses, line up, do some type of double pass screen, whatever, and then get in the end zone. No, no, no. That's a little bit disrespectful. I would have I would have got upset about that. But I will say this. The Kansas City Chiefs have done a great job this year. Seriously, I did not think that they would have this much offensive prowess without a Tyreek Hill. Now, I've said this earlier in the season where I think – the, the the missing Tyreek Hill will show up, will be in the playoffs against a team like the Buffalo Bills. Why? Because we can score. We got a big, strong-arm quarterback. And we got a defense that bends but don't break, right? And so what you need, what you need offensively to go against a defense that bends but don't break, you need that big play guy, right? To me, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have that big play guy. Yes, you have Travis Kelsey, but he's not scaring anybody um, when you're watching tape. Tyreek Hill, he's a guy that scares somebody, and they have the quarterback in Patrick Mahomes to get him the football. Yeah. One last one I've got for you concerns the Bills' passing game. From probably like week 11 to like week 16, the deep shots just were not a part of Buffalo's passing game as much as they had been the first 10 weeks of the season. Part of that was, we believe, due to the fact that Josh was throwing a lot of picks through the middle part of the season. They kind of pulled the reins in tighter on the passing game, relied on the running game a little bit more, played more conservatively, focused on efficiency over big plays. How refreshing was it going into the postseason to see the absolute dime from the far hash traveling 60 yards through the air between the numbers to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown yesterday? Bruh, when you were saying that, I'm literally getting goosebumps right now. I was screaming to the top of my lungs uh, in my house. Like, did you see that bazooka? I'm telling my son. I'm telling my wife. I'm telling my daughters. Did you see the bazooka, Josh Allen? Did you see that throw? I mean, I, 
This is why I call that guy QB number one in the National Football League. I don't see anybody else on the planet doing that. I just don't. I don't. I mean, and he dropped a dime. And Steph Diggs, it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a reason why Steph Diggs, after every play, he's like, bro, I want it. Because you, you know your quarterback can get you the ball at any spot on the football field. I believe if you go use the bathroom in the locker room, Josh Allen can get it to you from the 50-yard line. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's how much this guy's a hump talent. It's so, much, it's so much up there. I don't know if I've ever seen uh, anything quite like it. And, and when you're playing the Buffalo, I mean, when you're playing the New England Patriots, they did a good job of trying to keep them in the pocket because when you get Josh Allen outside of the pocket, all hell breaks loose. I'm talking about for the defense, right? Because right. you just can't cover everybody. But I will say this before I let you guys go. Um, uh, Gabe Davis, um, Isaiah uh, uh, McKenzie, McKenzie. Um, Shakur, we need another guy to truly step up because at the end of the day, these playoff defenses are not just going to let Stephon Diggs go continue to do what he does. Yeah, he's going to get his passes. But we're going to have to have a second and a third guy step up. Dawson Knox has been doing a great job, even though he needs to get better in the run game. Doing a great job. But we need another passing threat to step up because defenses are focused on um, our, our, our guy, uh, Steph Diggs, a little too much. All right, so to, to counter that very quickly, bonus question. John Brown makes a big play yesterday on playing some little backyard football. The smoke show returned. Beasley is available <laughs> on the practice squad. You can elevate those guys unlimited number of times in the postseason as you know is one of those guys a possibility in that area since we haven't seen Khalil Shakir or Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie consistently fill that void I believe so I believe that touchdown to John Brown was something that Ken Dorsey Sean McDermott you know um even our guy Josh Allen was like whoa <laughs> I need that. You know what I mean? We even saw Josh do the, do the old John Brown dance on him. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he has a little bit of level of excitement. Um, I, I just love seeing this offense play, man. They look so close. I like seeing this entire team play. But at the end of the day, you're going to need another threat. I don't care if it's James Cook coming out of the backfield. I don't care if it's Devin Singletary catching the ball out of the backfield. You're going to need another explosive threat going to, to try to win a championship because in the AFC, these offenses, they can score. Mike, thanks very much. Appreciate the insight. We'll catch up with you next See week. You, Hopefully we're talking about the divisional round, my friend. Oh, we will. We ain't giving no exit physicals until, what, February, what, 13th, 14th, something like that? <laughs> See y'all next week. All right, thanks, Mike. <laughs> That's NFL Network analyst Michael Robinson joining us here, as he does every week after Bill's games. And he's right. I mean, you got to get another consistent option in the passing game. I think Knox has been a pretty – effective number two he's got touchdowns in four consecutive games now right so he's providing points for this offense which is critical at the tight end position if you don't have a number two stepping up I know Gabe Davis is probably still beating himself up over dropping that one in the end zone yesterday right and Isaiah McKenzie had a drop yesterday too and this is a team that has been at or near the top of the league in drops this season so that's got to go away fast going into the postseason. Yeah, and you, and you look at, um, you know, sh these guys and their targets. Khalil Shakir had a nice play, a turn and run after the catch. That was a nice play Two by targets, him. one catch, and he had a tw the 28-yarder. Yeah. It was nice. It was, it was a nice one, I thought. And then he had – then McKenzie had three targets, two catches. Knox, two for two. Cook, two for two. Singletary, one for one. John Brown – 
one for one. Now Diggs we, was seven of ten on his targets, and of course Gabe Davis was three of ten. Yeah, and that's why people are like, ah, "Come on, Gabe." Yeah, because you know he's better than that. You yeah, do. You know he's it. better than that. We've right. seen it. Um, and and I think Eric Wood made a good point on the broadcast yesterday when he did point out because people are like, "Where, where are all the numbers for our passing game?" You got to remember. Two of the Bills' offensive possessions were taken away by Naeem Hines because he yeah, ran them right. back. You know what I mean? That's right. I, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah. They had two fewer possessions because Naeem Hines is taking them to the house. <laughs> so, I mean, that's right. That's a fair The numbers trade. are probably going to be a little down from what they usually are. Fair because, trade. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'll take those every week if uh, Naeem Hines is willing. Let's get back to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. The number to get on board is we're asking for your takeaways from the emotional victory that yesterday was over the Patriots. And waiting patiently has been John in Buffalo. What do you got for us, John? Oh, hold on. What do you got for us, John? You're on One Bills Live. Well, I'm just so happy that everything's going well for DeMar, thank God. Yeah. And um, I'd also like to say, okay. Chris, I'm kind of wondering, what what heritage of Italian are you? I know that you have some Italian in you. Uh, I am uh, Napoli, you... Napoli and Bari are the two areas of southern Italy where my, my grandparents are from. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm down on the heel side of the boot, and then, you know, Napoli's on the other side there, down in the south. No Sicilian okay. blood, if that's what you're asking. That's what I was thinking, because yeah. when you say Aj... <laughs> yeah, my wa- my wife's half Sicilian, so she's got the Sicilian blood in the family, and believe me, that's probably Uh-oh. more than enough. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna get in trouble. Now you're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I always get in trouble. Okay, and uh, what I was thinking of is that um, I th- I just like to see Josh Allen be a little smarter at the end of the half. I mean, yeah, you know, it's either throw the ball to our guy or don't throw it to nobody. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, John, because Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, has told us that is the very thing that he often says in the headset to Josh right after he gives him the play call. He'll tell him, us or nobody, which basically means what you just outlined, which is throw it to our guy or it's out of bounds and it's uncatchable for anybody else. Yeah, the the throw he made there, down there too, he, the ball fluttered because he got whacked when, yeah, he, he, got when hit he, threw he threw it. it. So it's not really the throw he was going to make. Uh, maybe he was going to throw it away or whatever, but we'll never know the real result of what could have happened. But let me ask you, is, and I know it's hard in the actual instant to make this decision, is it better, I mean, it, some people would argue it's better to just eat it there and take the three on a field goal so you can oh, go yeah. up at the half 17-14. Right. I haven't gone back and looked at where he was looking for the ball, but if he, you know, there's no reason to think he wasn't going to throw a TD. Either. I mean, it's easy to say. We've seen that enough, too. He should have done the other thing. I don't right. want to be that guy, but. Listen, yeah, he got hit when he threw it. Yeah. That's why the interception happened. It was an errant throw. If he hadn't been hit, we'll never know what would have happened, yeah. but we've seen him throw touchdowns down there. In fact, we saw one to Knox three series before that. Right. Or two series before that. So, um you got to trust him. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll, we can go back and I'll get on, on game during the next break. I'll get on uh, game pass and we'll go back and look at that play from the end zone and see maybe he had a window there. Maybe somebody was standing yeah. back there. I mean, look, no quarterback's going to be perfect. I mean, when you think about it, Josh got the ball in his hands every offensive snap of the game. They're not all going to be perfect. Uh, and I think, <laughs> I think we're not too far removed, Steve, 
for those of us that have been covering the team long enough, from people calling in and saying, why won't Tyrod Taylor take more risk in throwing the football? <laughs> he, he'll tuck it and run too much instead of throwing because he's afraid to throw an interception. And I remember there was a, a large portion of the Bills fan base that would say, I'd rather have a quarterback who throws 30 touchdowns a year and throws 12 or 13 picks than a guy that throws 11 touchdown passes a year and no picks. Well, right. you've got the former. So take the guy who's in the running for the MVP every year that throws 12 or 13 picks every season because you got to take some of those negative plays if you want the production on the positive side of the ledger. Right. And he is way over on the positive side of the ledger. I mean, he's usually somewhere between two to one, two and a half, sometimes three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Anybody in the league would gladly take that. Let's go back to the phones. We go to Mark in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Mark? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Uh, if you give me a little leeway here, I apologize first if I get a little emotional. But uh, I just wanted to call in and talk about how this has been for me as a lifelong Bills fan and everything. Uh, for a season that started out with so much excitement and so much promise, and I'm not going to go through all the adversity, but it just seems like steadily uh, it's been being picked away at and knocked down and made it really hard to be really optimistic in where we could be and where we are because of everything that's happened. And then what happened to, to DeMar, that was like the low, emotionally, that was like the lowest point for any Bills fan this season. And and when it happened, I said to myself, um, you know, it almost doesn't matter what happens the rest of the year, that my Super Bowl, uh, when he wakes up, it's going to be like him, like us making the Super Bowl. And when he walks out of that place, that for me is going to be winning the Super Bowl. Uh, that all being said, and then yesterday happens, and we had, as a community and as a Bills fan base got an opportunity to take our arms and wrap it around not only the Bills players but the whole organization as a whole and have a love fest. And then the fairy tale happens in the opening kickoff, and I said, this is unbelievable. And, and then I'm starting to think, you know what, now I want it all. That, that fairy tale <laughs> Now I'm going to be greeted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So now, now the uh, the fairy tale happens, and I'm gone from thinking that you know whatever happens. I, obviously, I'm rooting like hell for them to make it to the Super Bowl and win it. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But now, I can't even imagine. This is where I'm going to get emotional. Um, I can't imagine for this this city, for this team, for all the ex players like Steve, and anybody who loves this team for us to win our first Super Bowl and watching Roger Goodell hand a trophy to Terry and then Terry turn around and have it to DeMar. I want it all, and that's what I want to see. Yeah. So that, okay. That, you know, that's why I called in, and I hope everybody, and I'm sure many, many people have this thought. And, yeah. Um, it, it's been a roller coaster, and love those guys. Love that team. Steve, love you for playing for us and representing us the way you do and continue to do. We love and respect you guys, and I'll never let anybody tell me that sports doesn't matter and that you guys are just football players because you're not. You're not. You're, you're our family, and we love you. Thank right. you, guys. Great Thank call, you. Mark. Thanks very you. much for that. Could hear the emotion in your voice. And I'm just going to say this. Um, there's a common belief that this Bills team, uh, in a lot of ways, uplifts this city and this community. Um, you know, people are going through tough times. 
We know some of the tough stuff that we've had to deal with here just in the last eight or nine months. And the community routinely looks to this team to lift them up on a Sunday, make them feel a little bit better about what they're dealing with or going through, or better yet, make them forget about what they're dealing with by the way they perform on a Sunday. And I would argue that this fan base lifted up this team yesterday. Being in their building with their fans pushed them to a place where I think a lot of them weren't sure they could get to emotionally and physically to perform in this game and get a victory. And the Bills fans, for all the times that they've been lifted up by the success of this football team, lifted their team up yesterday on their shoulders and gave them the energy that they needed to win an important football game yesterday, not just for DeMar Hamlin. But we're talking about the second seed in the AFC playoffs. That meant something yesterday. And this fan base delivered when their team needed it. That's the biggest takeaway for me yesterday. Yeah, it was – we've talked a lot, and sometimes it gets thrown around kind of loosely for every team and its fan base about the relationship between the city and the, and the team. It does hit home a little differently here in Buffalo um, for whatever reason. I, I felt it. Um, my wife and I chose to make our home here when after I was finished playing. Um, we literally could have lived anywhere. Uh-huh. And uh, it's and I, I was talking to Jim Nance, and I went to say hello because we're friends, obviously. And, and uh, we're talking about, you know, the week and how tough it's been. And, you know, and they're going to probably – they're thinking they're coming back here. They're going to do the Bills-Chiefs, yeah. the Bills-Dolphins uh, game this weekend. So Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be back in town talking about dinner plans and that kind of stuff. And, and he, go, he kind of looked at me and he goes yeah, – just acknowledging I said yeah I'm always here so I, I go I kind of found my spot you know what I mean mm-hmm. and he goes and he kind of Jim Nance is on the road 48 weeks a year yeah so he kind of gets that right so um it's something that a lot of players feel I, you know I was I was at Jim I was I smoked a cigar with Jim and Thurman and Will Wolford was in town yesterday. I mean, oh, nice. guys have ties to this. I had dinner with Bar- Pete Metzlars and his wife Barb and three of their grandkids on Saturday night. So um, this is a special place. The guys love coming back here. They love living here. Um, it's an old it's an old joke, but it's true. One of the former coaches, a good friend of mine, Jerry Glanville, coached here in Buffalo. He's linebackers coach and maybe defensive coordinator mm-hmm. way back in the day. And he's the guy that left tickets for Elvis. He had his own career, and he took. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy was—he's a fantastic coach. I love he's that. an absolutely fantastic coach. He said his wife cried twice. They, she cried when they found out they were moving to Buffalo because of what everybody thinks about our town. And she said she cried when we left because mm. she didn't want to leave. So that's kind of what people find when they when they come here. We got to take a break. Well said, Steve. When we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll also take a trip around the locker room. Some of the emotional comments after this victory from the players next here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, Bills Mafia, the first edition of the Buffalo Bills comic cover series is now on sale. Products include posters, sweaters, and shirts. You can purchase these items exclusively at any Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse area Wegmans. Wegmans, the official tailgating headquarters of the Buffalo Bills. It's the sweatshirt that Steve's been wearing all day. It was actually a little chilly It was here in the studio, yeah. so he slapped the sweatshirt on, uh, which has I was Buffalo downright. Bills Beasts of the East. I was downright cold getting in here today, and yeah. this, they said, well, I said, give it. Give it here. Yeah, I got the, t- the I, T-shirt. This is actually, Jay, Jay Harris was going to keep I said, I'm keeping it. Yeah, you're, oh, you're... <laughs> You're stealing it from he him? Wants, he wants it. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> That's good. I'm a hoodie guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you are. And they got the T-shirts, too. You can get them on uh, T-shirts. Wait, you know? posters, Where am I doing here? posters here, too. Oh, you're going to unroll that thing, I'm, are I'm you? not going to unroll it because I'm going to Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, you know, the, the younger kids tend to like these. Um, and they've got, they they've like got the players on the poster, which are also on, this, on my sweatshirt, and they give them superhero names, you know, like Tredavious White, the acrobat. Tyler Bass, Sonic Boom. Yeah, it's cool. Steph Diggs, The Blur. Josh Allen, The Rocket. Deion Dawkins, The Snowman. <laughs> wow, that, that da- was kind of a given. And then there's Dawson Knox's Hard Knox. And Ed Oliver is Mr. Shred. So there you go. Oh, look at that. They all got their, they got their little superhero names. So it's pretty cool. You can pick them up, Buffalo what's your, Rochester. What's your superhero name, Brownie? I gotta... What would it be? <laughs> I don't know. Probably nothing flattering. <laughs> I don't know. My daughter calls me Baldy a lot when she gets mad at me, so that's good. She goes, "Oh, really? Nice job, Baldy." Oh my gosh. Yeah. Kids, oh, it's it's kids. a it's a rough house. Kids are unforgiving. Yeah, it's a tough crowd. Oh yeah, it's a rough it's tough a rough room. house. You got to be able to take it and dish it out yeah, in my home. Yes, I yeah. Um, and you yeah. Yes. No need yeah. to say anything more. <laughs> more. I'm, I'm shutting up right now. I was almost going to dip my toe yeah, into Yeah, you that. were. I'm, I'm going to tell you and not to. And no. Uh, let's go around the locker room, which is presented by Connect Life. Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with Josh Allen on the emotions of watching Naheem Hines take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. I can't remember a play that touched me like that, and I don't think in my life. So it's, it's probably number one. It, 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 was, it was just spiritual, and I just, I was going around, and I just, I mean, I was going around my team and saying, God's real. Like, you can't, you can't draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I, I was just told by Kevin Curran, it's been three years and three months. <sighs> Since the last kickoff return, so it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, Josh, just one of many players wearing their emotions on their sleeve. You can tell when guys get overwhelmed, and that's happened a handful of times over the past week in press conferences as they've addressed the media. Um, you know, and the team has done their best to try to shield players not yet ready to talk about this stuff from the media, you know, closed locker room after the game because, as we said earlier, there, there's just some guys that are just flat out not ready to talk about this stuff yet. Yeah. I mean, it's we're only a week removed from it today. Right. It, not even a week. And I know in our in our society, in our culture, you know, stuff happens and 15 minutes later we're on to something else. Um, yeah, this is not that for these guys. Um, and the further away you fr- get from it, the 
the easier it is to kind of okay. Yeah. Now that we Demar's gonna be okay. I can move on, kind of thing. They can't. They, there's there's some of the guys are struggling with it. You you saw it yesterday, man. They. It's everything it's, was hitting them hard. It's, yeah, everything was hitting them yesterday. Um, so I, yeah, we'll we'll see how they continue to progress. Speaking of Naheem Hines, we figured we'd get his thoughts on the opening kickoff for a touchdown and the impact it had on him, his teammates, and the fans who were going berserk after he reached the end zone. I knew about that way before the play even started. I knew this whole game, this whole week, even on Monday, I'm on CNN, I'm on local news, ESPN, everybody's talking about DeMar, and I just, you know, I just felt all the love and support. And, you know, everybody talks about family and football, but ever since I've been here, it's been about family. And the Bills Mafia is the best fan base in this NFL, so in the NFL. So, I mean, I've, it's been, it was very, very spiritual, and it was way before I ever touched the field today. But as you're running, are you thinking about what the impact this had on your teammates? I mean, they all talked about it, like what it did for them. <laughs> oh, I was running? Yeah. Oh, I was running. I was just trying to get there. <laughs> and then when I was getting there, I was thinking about celebrating with my teammates. And, uh, you know, as soon as I crossed the goal line, I, I thought in my head, like, wow, like, this is our first time since Cincinnati. Like, there's no – there's like, it's – I'm speechless. And I can't believe, you know, I'm so thankful it was me to, you know, bring that juice. But it, it's, it's way bigger than me. And that's what I always thought about, and that's what I felt all day. It was just bigger than me and bigger than those 10 guys that, who did a great job of blocking for me. Listening to Naheem Hines, though he is new to a lot of Bills fans, having come here at the trade deadline, um, when you hear him speak, you instantly know why he was an attractive commodity to Brandon Bean. Yes, he runs a 4-3-8. Yes, he catches a ball well out of the backfield. He's a capable running back. But you listen to him, and you know why he fits what Brandon Bean describes as the Bills' DNA. Team guy. Worried about his teammates before he's worried about himself. And we heard Tredavious White talk about how he puts the extra work in. He was talking about him in the postgame, about how Naheem is the guy he sees out on the practice field after practice. And he's got special teams coordinator Matthew Smiley, who also deserves a tip of the cap for yesterday's performance. He's out there firing balls out of the jugs machine, and he's catching 25 extra balls coming at him. And then yeah, he's trying punts. to work, you know, the, the, all right, right return here. I want to get this release right, you know, and read the block correctly and all that stuff. You know it better than I do, Steve. So Yeah, it's, it is really difficult to catch kick. And kickoffs are, are a little easier in the NFL. Punts are a nightmare to try and field. Guys make it look so easy. It's not. Um, you got guys coming down at you with ill intent, fast, and they're big, and they're trying to – and they're hoping – you drop that ball, uh-huh. you know, and so it's, and the whole team can be playing like gangbusters and y- y- you can mess it up for them by, well, like it happened yesterday. You let the ball bounce and you're trying to tell guys to get away. And yeah. you, the ball bounces funny, goes into, in, goes into Taiwan Jones. You know, it's a bad scene back there, man. You got to, yeah. you got to play it right. It's hard to get right. That was a little bit of a veteran play by Slater though. Oh, kind of dragged he, him right into he pushed the path of the ball. That, and that's, yeah. And I don't know why guys don't do it more. I guess um, – listen, I, I got all the little quirky – Oh, that's I know. All, you knew that to bend the would, rules. If I was a coach, that's all I would tell them <laughs> is I, all the little tricks, you know. <laughs> when they're down there and he's going to fair catch it, take your guy and push him into him. Yeah. Right? I mean, get all in Maybe the way, man. Maybe you get a man. fumble and a muffin yeah. punt. Yeah. You, if, that, if it hits him, you're all, if the ball's yeah. live, grab it. Um, all that kind of stuff. You know, using the, using the sideline to your advantage, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's – 
Yeah. It was a good play by Matt Slater. It was. It, and t- he's doing it against a vet, too. Yeah, which so, made it even more impressive. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break here. That's Around the Locker Room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. We'll take some more phone calls as we want your takeaways from yesterday's emotionally charged victory over the Patriots, knocking them from playoff contention. It's One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Bills fans, Connect Life needs your help during the month of January. Every blood donor during the month will receive a pair of Bills branded socks. Connect Life is the only blood donation agency that keeps your donation here for patients in Western New York. To make your appointment, please go to connectlife.org today. There is some uh, news on the NFL front concerning the Bills personnel department. This according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. As we know, this is the firing and hiring season. Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, just got canned today on what is commonly Black Monday for any team that didn't make the playoffs. There's the potential there for coaches to be uh, getting their pink slips. That happened in Arizona today. As we know, the Tennessee Titans moved on from their GM, John Robinson, with six weeks left in the season. By the way, Steve, they didn't win another game after firing him. Mm-hmm. Seems like that went over well in the locker room. In any event... According to Ian Rappaport, Bill's Senior Director of Pro Personnel, Malik Boyd, will interview for the vacant Titans GM job. And Rappaport says he has a great reputation. You're darn right he does. Malik Boyd is an outstanding personnel evaluator, so it doesn't surprise me that he is being interviewed for that GM job. I mean, when you think of the staff that Brandon Bean has assembled here, it's a veritable all-star staff of personnel men. Whether you're talking about Terrence Gray, the director of pro personnel, whether you're talking about, or player personnel, excuse me, or you're talking about Brian Gain, the assistant general manager, or Malik Boyd, uh, Lake Dawson, you can run down the list. There's just a cornucopia of guys with skins on the wall of personnel experience on this staff. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that Malik Boyd is the latest to get a look see uh, reportedly from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so good luck to him. We know guys are always trying to, you know, achieve the highest position sure. in this league. That's why they're in it. So good luck to Malik Boyd in his interview there. We wish him well. Uh, we do want to get a couple more phone calls in here before we have to take another break because we do have Eric Wood coming up in hour number three. And we go to Marie in Amherst next. Marie, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So my biggest takeaway from the game was, man, special teams, they brought the juice. They really did. Naeem Hines, he opened it up. And I want to say that um, Josh Allen, Tredavious White, I hope that they somehow find some relief and find their excitement again for why, you know, I know life is more important than anything, and we're all still praying and still rooting for DeMar. And he's up, and he's rooting for the guys as well. But those two right there, Tredavious and Josh, watching their presser yesterday after the game, it was very emotional. And it was like, you know, I wonder is football still one of the main things for them, you know, because it's a lot to get through mm-hmm. after what they witnessed out there. 
But um, <clears throat> I think we could still go all the way and take it there, especially if we we got it. We got we got to use those running backs, man. I know um, Singletary fumbled, and I'm sure he'll keep learning from that protecting the ball. But Cook Cook still getting over five yards to carry. He's still mm-hmm. balling. <clears throat> Maybe we could bring back also um, pull up from the um, practice squad, bring Beasley back because. I don't know those guys with the drops, but Stefan Diggs is a dog. You know, he's been through a lot in his life as well, personally, with losing his father. And I saw after the Monday night game how he he was out there. He was fired up. He, he was, even though it was emotional, he was trying to rally the guys because we didn't know if they were going to have to continue to play. He was ready. He was ready to go. I think we still got to go to him. But to beat Miami next week, we got to use those tight ends. We got to get more tight end play. We got to use those running backs, and we definitely got to stay with, you know, our leaders. But I, I just hope and pray for relief for Josh, relief for Tredavious, and the other guys, too, that didn't come, you know, that couldn't speak as well. But when you got guys leading a team like that, a guy on defense like Tredavious, and you got Josh at the forefront, and it all goes through Josh out there when we're on offense, you know, and for him to probably have it in the back of his mind, it looked like every time he threw the ball, he turned his back real fast. Like it, it was like it looked like he was like nervous to be hit up front or whatever. He just he every time he threw the ball, he seemed like he spent. And I was like, I hope this is not on his mind right now. You know, I was oh my gosh. But I mean, I'm just praying for all of them. As a collective, yeah. you know, so. Thanks, Thanks Marie. To say. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate you, the call. And, and Steve, concerning, you know, Tredavious and Josh, I think the thing that encouraged me about Tredavious, first of all, I think he needed to get a pick to kind of feel like himself again. So the mm-hmm. fact that he got that one down at the one-yard line was huge, I think, for his mental psyche, his self-confidence, that, hey, I am a pretty damn good corner. And I think that reinforces that to him. So that's big. Because later in the game, he had a pass breakup down the field, remember, on the bomb to Parker. It kind of hit Parker in the helmet. So it wasn't necessarily a pass breakup. But he's stride for stride with that guy, Mm -hmm. who's an elite physical talent. I don't think there's any debate about that. After the play, Trey's out there dancing. Yeah, I haven't seen that from Trey in a long time since he came back. And this was his sixth game back from his ACL. And I'm hoping that puts him in a place – where he's going to be able to deliver for this team on the back end because that is a beat-up secondary right now. No Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer playing hurt, and you know Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam platooning because neither one of them has seized the job yeah. definitively. Christian they need Trey. And uh, Bernard is, coming, is now off the IR. Not Bernard. Benford. Benford's off the IR. Christian right. Benford's off the Bring IR. Bring some depth. It brings some depth to the corner spot, but he's played this year and he's he's in there. Marlowe's a safety, um, so you've yeah, it's not the group you thought you were going to go with. Um, but they're going to go with them. I mean, they got to. That's they're going to rise up. You got to you got to coach them up. They'll be all right. I mean, they're, no. they're still a really good defense. Um, I think this is one place too where you st- and you don't say woulda shoulda coulda. But, you know, if, you know, you got Von Miller on the team and Micah Hyde on the team, you don't know how differently it would look, but you kind of – you think it would. 
You think it would. And this is exactly the time of year why Von that's why Von Miller signed in Buffalo. This right here, this opportunity. Yeah. And you know, now he's he's on the sidelines watching. And Micah, week two, he was gone. He's been gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not the exact group of guys you thought you were gonna finish the season with, but the group they've got has played very well, very well. I think that the guys that you look at down inside with Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, um, Jordan Phillips, of course, Ed Oliver, those guys down inside have had a ripple effect that have really helped everybody around the defense, particularly Milano and and uh, Edmonds. Yeah. So the secondary is not the same guys we thought we were going to get, but I still think – I still got a lot of faith in the development – abilities of this coaching staff i think the guys are going to play better we got to take a break here hour number three coming your way shortly and leading us off in the third hour will be bill's radio color analyst eric wood we'll get his thoughts on how things looked from the booth next here on one bills live presented by collider health it's buffalo bills radio Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number three on a Buffalo football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as always. And joined now by Bill's radio color analyst, Eric Wood, who helped make the broadcast for me a piece of cake. Eric, how are we doing? I'm doing great. You helped make the broadcast a piece of cake for me as well. So I appreciate that. Excellent work yesterday again. Yeah, thanks. Um, I wanted to begin here. We saw big plays return to the offensive side of the ball, something that, as you know, had gone away for a stretch of weeks when it looked like the offensive staff, in an effort to reduce the turnover bug that Josh had been bitten by, rely on the run game a little more, play a little more conservatively, sacrifice big plays in the name of efficiency. It worked. They were still winning games, maybe not running away from teams. And now we get some signs here going into the postseason that that stuff is still a part of what they are capable of. How much of a springboard can the backyard play to John Brown and the absolute dime to digs serve going into the postseason? Yeah. You love to see that they're still there. Now there's a number of reasons, you know, yes, there was the conservative play calling coming off the back to back to back games of multiple turnovers for Josh Allen. It also was around the time that he had the elbow injury. They had limited practices before the Browns game, the snow, the weather affected a number of the games. There was a lot that played into them, not necessarily getting those big plays down the field. It wasn't simply not taking those shots. We don't know if now Josh, Josh's arm feels great or, or whatever the case may be, but it was, it was great to see those big plays yesterday, and that's what can happen when you get a run game that is top five in the NFL in yards per carry, and even over the last six, seven games, top five in just the running backs in yards per carry. And so when you get that run game going, now the safeties have to come up. When Josh proves again that he's willing to take the underneath stuff, those safeties come down, the big plays show up over the top. The John Brown play was an incredible catch. We both in the booth 
thought that he had overthrown him and he had about eight yards on him. So when he was potentially going to overthrow him, we thought, oh man, that is unfortunate because he didn't have to throw it that far. But then John Brown proved that he still got uh, some gas in the tank and, and, and his wheels still work. He can still go. And then the digs play it's third and nine. They're at the Patriots, I believe 49 yard line. And so at that point in the game, it's, you know, keep the clock moving. It's likely four down territory, maybe get half of it back. Instead, Dorsey dials up and out and up. Josh is looking off the safety the entire time. And so he knows he's got one and one over there. Diggs runs kind of a lazy out route to set up the corner. And then Josh throws an absolute missile and he's got someone barreling down on him. So he's got to almost turn away from the throw as he releases it in just remarkable ball placement. I mean, 62 yards. We talked about it before we came on 62 yards in the air, right on the money. And then we had a Gabe Davis drop, but really that was about a 50 yard chuck down the field as well. Yeah. And and the Gabe Davis drop, it looked like the guy was going to get his hand on it. He never touched. And I think that's what got, got Gabe, you know, you you think you're going to have to adjust to it at the last instant. And it never happened. You don't have to, and it ends up costing you the, 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 the catch that, yeah, that catch would have made what was a, probably a disappointing day for Gabe Davis and would have made it into a pretty nice day. It would have. And, you know, Josh had him a little wide on a play that jo- uh, Gabe Davis normally tiptoes. And, you know, it's, he was three for 10 throwing to Gabe Davis. That's not what you want out of your number two receiver. But you're you're very close to getting him up to on, on par where – where you want him to be at this point of the season. The Bills have so many different weapons. I feel like each and every week we talk about how one of the strengths of the game, one of the positives of the game, is how many different receivers, how many different Bills skill position players caught the ball in the game. I believe it was eight again this year, this week. And so it's, yes, Diggs is the bona fide number one receiver, and Josh Allen proves time and time again that you know he trusts him, and even though the other team knows that the ball is going to Diggs, that they can still execute – but there's just so many weapons that the Bills can throw at you offensively between Dawson Knox, between the backside of the backfield, you know, Morris and Gilliam at times this year, and then the the array of receivers. They just have a lot of different ways they can attack a defense right now. We talked about the run game. We talked about the short stuff, the deep balls over the top. There, there's a reason, you know, there we've picked apart this Bills offense at times this year. The turnovers have been an issue at times this year. Early in the season, the red zone offense was an issue and we've critiqued it very hard because you come into the season with a unanimous Super Bowl favorite, but quietly they're top five in yards per game. They're top two in scoring, I believe. And so the offense put together a pretty nice season. Number one in the NFL in third down conversions climb all the way up to entering yesterday, number 10 in the league in red zone offense. And so as much as we've been critical of the offense at times this year, they put together a nice season. You mentioned Dawson Knox. It's four straight games with a touchdown now, Eric, as you well know, is, you know, they're looking for a bonafide number two option. They want like a proven number three option. Maybe it is a rotating type deal for that third option. It's a different guy every week. But if Dawson Knox can give you a touchdown catch every week, that's almost good enough from the tight end position in terms of what you're looking for in this offense, right? 
Oh yeah. I mean, if he'll just give us a touchdown every week, that'd be great. Get 16, 17 <laughs> of them on the year. That'd be awesome. But and I'm being facetious there, but no, he's played great as of late. He stays alive. Well, and you know, when you're going to be a receiver in this bill's offense, you have to stay alive. Well, that was actually a breaking out route to the left side of the field. And as the play kind of broke down and Josh kind of got in scramble mode, Dawson just came back to the middle of the field. It's amazing to me too, as they get into this like scramble mode, how Josh just rips that ball to the middle of the field though. They're right. As he sees Dawson open, like not like he must've known that, well, I guess they're in man coverage. So it's someone's not peeling off, but man, when you make those quick decisions on the move like that, there's times, you know, I've seen it happen to many quarterbacks where you rip that someone steps in front of it and you look like a fool, but Josh is just so good on the move. He's the number one quarterback in the NFL uh, rated by quarterback rating one under pressure, number one in the NFL. And so you get to him and then he can still light you up and, and avoid um, free rushers. It's just, it's impressive to watch, but getting back to the topic of a, a bona fide number two, a number three option. And, and look, I haven't given up on Gabe Davis by any means. I, I know what he can do. Now, the ankle was an issue for a lot of this year. We heard from Brandon Beaner, Sean McDermott, not that long ago that that was lingering, maybe longer than that everyone else kind of knew about or assumed. And he's he's a big body receiver. He plays a significant role for this pass, this 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 receiving room. It's going to be interesting to me to see who's up this week. Shakir had a nice play yesterday. Isaiah McKenzie's made some nice plays in the last month or so. You have Cole Beasley. You have John Brown. You know you have Diggs and Davis. Not all those guys play special teams. Who's going to be up for this week against the Dolphins is going to be interesting to me. I would assume. I would assume Cole. Uh, I would assume Cole Beasley. I think that. He provides a little bit different element and not that everyone can take the top off the defense like John Brown can. Cole Beasley to me just brings a little bit something different than maybe those other guys do. Uh, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah, it is an interesting question because um, you got Shakir, McKenzie, Davis, and... Diggs. They've got four active guys on the roster. So then you throw on, and now last year at times they had six. Every and- week, the last two years under Dable, they had six receivers active every single week. I'd bring them both up. Right. Brown and – I mean, your unlimited number of elevations once you get to the postseason – I'd bring them both up. I don't know what that means on the other spots in the roster, offensively or defensively, whether, you, you know, bringing all those receivers up. You're right. Special teams is a consideration. Can somebody can, – can they chase yeah, kicks? that's true. Uh, and if, you know, you're not going to – you're not going to sit down, you know, Mitch Morse and Roger Saffold because you need an extra receiver. I mean, right? So you got to have all those guys intact. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting problem, but last year they did it with six, and I think one of the things that's changing the equation a little bit would probably be Hines. They don't need a receiver to return kicks, you know? So Yeah, yeah, exactly, because you had Micah Hyde and Isaiah McKenzie sharing those duties last year, so now you add Hines to the mix, and, you know, Taiwan Jones was your third running back last year, I believe. And so um, yeah. that, that Matt gives Breida you, here yes. too. Yeah, Matt Breida. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I know it was one catch yesterday, but similarly to how James Cook just looks faster on the field now that the game has slowed down for him, I know it was one catch, 
but Shakir looked a lot more sudden with the ball in his hands yesterday. Got up, you know, it wasn't, oh my gosh, I caught the football in the National Football League. Okay, let's not make a mistake. It was, how do I go make a play here? Get up the field, make a move. I was encouraged by that. Yeah, hopefully there's some player development that's been going on behind the scenes on that end, and he gets more opportunities going forward here. And I wouldn't dismiss this either. Cole Beasley came in here, you know, about six, seven weeks ago. That guy's also in Shakir's ear at practice every day, too, maybe teaching him the nuances of where to sit down against zone coverage and things like that. And maybe we're seeing the fruits of that labor as well. So hopefully that continues and we get more out of Shakir going forward. Defensively, Eric, you know, I know you commented on some of Coach Frazier's decisions in terms of pressures and went to send extra help. Late in the game, he backs off, and they get two picks as a result. What would you think of the mixing and matching of Coach Frazier? Yeah, so just knowing this coaching staff and following that, you know, I played under them, not this offensive staff, played under this coaching staff for one year and then have followed them since and covered them for the last four years. They often will attack analytically your weakness. And so Mac Jones, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL against the blitz so the bills break a lot of their tendencies and they brought more pressure now that could also be because now you're on your fourth safety back there with Hamlin and hideout how does that affect things so maybe you bring guys more to to leave them less time on the back end regardless they brought a lot of pressure in the game yesterday it seemed like either Taron Tremaine or Milano was coming on half the snaps and I love the one um, double a gap blitz look where they had six guys at the line of scrimmage com- completely confused the Patriots and uh, caused an easy uh, third down stop and so you don't get a lot of that variety from the Bills defense they've gotten away from that they did it a lot more early in their tenure here in Buffalo because they've gotten some good pass rush out of the four-man rush and then they've just they're so consistent on the back end that they don't need to be that confusing to be able to get stops and be one of the best third down defenses in the NFL. That being said, they did utilize a lot of different pressures yesterday. And I don't know if that's something that continues or if they simply just were going off the fact that, Hey, we got to make Mac Jones prove that he could beat us and prove that he can beat the blitz. Why not try it? It's a copycat league. Let's see if he can do it. And I'll say this Mac had some good plays yesterday. Devonte Parker, is an extremely talented receiver. He was the number 11 overall pick as a 20-year-old for a reason. He's he's a he's a big-bodied receiver with a ton of athleticism. Put it on display yesterday and made some nice plays on the outside. Well, you you look at the, at the game yesterday. Yeah, Mac did play well. He was 26 of 40. He was 13 of 16 at halftime. Uh, so the Bills, I think, rightfully so. I mean, if you're going to make them throw it 40 times, that's kind of what you want from the Patriots' offense, right? But uh, Mac Jones made him almost made him pay for it. Yeah, he did, and he was efficient. You know, they had a couple third and shorts. They had the fourth and one where they threw play action and got some chunk plays there. They utilized some checkdowns to Hunter Henry, and then the big plays went to Devontae Parker. Um, and then, you know, Bourne had a, a couple catches. Uh, Thornhill. Is it Thornhill? Thornton? Thornton. Thornton. He, had a, he had a nice play. Yeah, Regardless, uh, you know, he, uh, Mac Jones was efficient yesterday. I thought I, I thought he looked a lot better yesterday than he did in that Thursday night game. And, I, and I'll give, give the Patriots offensive line credit. They did a better job protecting him. In the last game in Foxborough, 
Mac Jones, even though I believe he was sacked two or three times, just constant pressure in his face that didn't allow him to have any type of rhythm back there in the pocket. Yeah, and I'm, one other thing, too, I, I with this Patriot team, the way it's currently constructed, and now for the first time in a long time, they're not in the, in the postseason, or it seems like the first time in a long time. How do you think that matchup's going to go in the future? This is a – they're going to – you, Bill Belichick's over seven. We've been talking about this off the air. Bill Belichick's over 70 years old. It was an absolute train wreck of a season by their standards. Offensively, it was not good enough, although, you know, now they creeped up. Mac Jones actually played pretty well until those last three drives where, well, the, the last two where he got tipped interceptions, which weren't horrific throws or horrific decisions. He just didn't, wasn't quite there. If this was anybody but the Patriots, there's some, you know, there's some people out of the building, right? Yeah, especially on that offensive staff. Uh, I think it's bad news for them that my guy Dan Orlovsky is really good at breaking down plays and exposing some deficiencies uh, within some coaching staffs. And he was pretty hard on that offensive system, whether it's Joe Brady or whether it's uh, Matt, Patricia. Matt Patricia over there yeah. calling plays. It was it was ugly at times this year. You know, just times where there wasn't a lot of answers for Mac back there. And so it'll be interesting moving forward what they do with the offense side of the ball. You know, is Mac Jones? In my opinion, when you approach a season, you either have a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl or you can't. You're you drafted him in the first round. You likely give him another year. You see him in a different offensive system. Likely see what you can get for Mac Jones. But you're going to have to be elite. I believe you're going to have to be elite elsewhere around a Mac Jones. Well, once he starts getting paid, do you have the money to be elite outside, you know, around Mac Jones? And so now are you moving on from a quarterback? And this is the cycle. You know, when you miss on that first round quarterback, it sets you back for a while. Otherwise, you're going out in free agency and hoping you hit the lottery on a guy that that someone else didn't want to pay. And so... This is, you know, the Patriots are in that, that they're in the 2000s, the 2010s Buffalo Bills stage where you might not have the quarterback. You got a pretty talented roster. You're sitting around 500 each year, close to it. You know, those years where we're nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine, you're close, but you probably don't have the quarterback. Sometimes you got to bottom out or you got to make some trades to get up high enough in the draft like the Bills did with Josh Allen. But they're in the situation the Bills were. When we were sitting there each and every season, say, what do we have to do to beat the New England Patriots? When they had Gronk and Hernandez, it was, we need to get more athletic at linebacker. We need better safeties. We need a pass rush. You know, offensively, we're going to have to score with them. Then it's the Bills in Kansas City now. How do you catch them? And then, you're, you know, if you're the Patriots, you're immediately looking into the division. How do we get over the hump? Yeah, right. I'm glad they have the to-do list now, personally. That's just me. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, let's spin it forward to this wild card game coming up Sunday at 1, Eric. Bills, Dolphins, and Miami. It was just reported earlier, Raheem Mostert busted his thumb in the game over the weekend against the Jets. His availability is now up in the air. Certainly, you know, players can, players at certain positions can play with a busted thumb. Running back's pretty tough. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he makes his way through the week. Uh, and then you have their offensive tackle position, which has been a revolving door the last several weeks. 
yesterday against the Jets. It's Greg Little at left tackle, Brandon Shell at right tackle. The availability of Teron Armstead is very much up in the air. Buffalo's pass rush is going to have to bring it, no matter who's at quarterback, if those two guys are starting again this week. Yeah, definitely. And and that's where when you get the playoff time, each and every team around the league has injuries. And so you have to overcome in other areas. And, you know, when you look at Mostert, he had a great game against the Bills, but Wilson had been more productive than Mostert coming into that game. And he missed the game with an injury. And so, you know, they still have a quality running back. You could probably play and just carry the ball on the other hand, but then you know, you always want that ball facing the, on, on the outside on the sideline is fumbling an issue. And so, yeah, it's a, this is a Miami Dolphins team that is reeling right now. And the point spread that was announced last night reflects it. It's, a, you know, a double digit spread in a playoff game. Those don't happen very often. It's because this Dolphins team, you know, especially since this two injury, you know, they played the Bills tough in Orchard Park. Give them credit. They hadn't looked that great pl- prior and they've looked terrible since. Yeah, and that's kind of – everything's kind of in limbo be, until you find out who's going to be taking snaps for the Dolphins. And this game – you know, it's a 10-and-a-half or 11-point spread right now. They're the biggest underdog in the playoffs, and that's with a, a Seahawks team that – Backed in. Backed in. So, a huge amount of question marks coming out of there. Plus, if – this it seemed too – there was a huge amount of speculation if the Dolphins don't beat the Jets yesterday, that whole building's going to get cleaned out again. And they're going to make a play for Sean Payton. They're going to make a play for Tom Brady. They're going to do all, they're just going to go the way that, um, you know, they're just going to clean house again. They were, they're 24 hours from that today. And now, you know, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's big market talk. I know Miami's not the most passionate fan base, but. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot to do in Miami. There's a lot of people. They they pack and they have a lot of Dolphins fans. But that's a big market down there. That that that's. I know you finished the season in a terrible way, and ever since that week three Thursday night game, Cincinnati to uh, it's been a an up and down season from there. Up then down, I'll say. But man, Mike McDaniel. I feel like did a great job down there this year. I mean, they brought an exciting brand of football to Miami down there. Tua did not look great prior to McDaniel getting there, and he's made Tua look pretty good. They have those studs on the outside and Waddle and Hill. It's an exciting brand of ball. Defensively, they're pretty solid. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be rushing to make a coaching change down there, that's for sure. Eric, thanks as always for the time. We appreciate it. We'll see you back up here this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Have a great week, guys. All right. That's Eric Wood joining us as he does every week here on a Buffalo football Monday. We will take a break because when we return, it's the return of the Maddie Awards. It's been a minute. Yeah. Maddie will be in studio next to hand out the hardware here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we welcome back in studio for the first time, I want to say in like, what is it? It's over three, it's got to be like three weeks because 
Yeah, you got marooned in Chicago. We got stuck in Chicago. Couldn't get, <laughs> couldn't get back. <laughs> Which was, it, it was fine to be stuck in Chicago. Right. Because that's where my family lives. Right. And then we had, there was another snafu that we had, and we couldn't get you in here. So... Welcome back so here for the Maddie are, Awards, which are presented by Energy Mark, the official energy supplier to the Buffalo Bills. Kick it off, Maddie. Let's get this thing rolling. No pun intended. Kick it off. Kick <laughs> off. Are we doing something good, there? That's good. That's good. Doing. I see yeah. what you did there. You're a funny guy. <laughs> Poetic Justice is our first award, and that's going to Naheem Hines for his opening kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, you couldn't have scripted this any better. The fact that it happened three years and three months after the Bills' last kickoff return touchdown, of course that's how it happened. We've seen threes all over the place in honor of DeMar Hamlin and Josh Allen said the moment was spiritual and it was bone-chilling. I think we all felt that emotion in Highmark Stadium when that happened. I had tears in my eyes. So did Steve right next to me during the game. We are always emotional when we're together. Watching, watching the games. And I think there was also a collective exhale after that play. Like, okay, we made it to this moment and scored a touchdown on the first opportunity that the Bills had in honor of DeMar Hamlin. I think it's a moment that a lot of people, these players, will never, ever, ever forget in their life. And it wasn't just one. It was two. He's never had a kickoff return touchdown in his career. And he goes off and has two in a game very, very important because you take those two away, yeah. it would have been a different game for the yeah, Bills. Very much so. Very much so. And then um, as and then I knew you would do this, but the next award is the Tone Setter Award. Tone Setters going to our guy Damar Hamlin. Uh, the moments, the hours right after that Monday night game after Damar Hamlin collapsed, it, it was a Terrible tone, I think, for everybody. Um, it was, what's going to happen? How is he doing? So much concern. And then we started to get these great updates. And, and I think we were living off of every good update that we got from the mm -hmm. doctors and, and the spirits that it lifted for the players and for everybody in the building to, to see the smiles grow and grow and grow with every good update we got about DeMar Hamlin, to him saying, I love you boys, to his teammates on Friday afternoon over FaceTime, and, and then the team responding in the way that they did beating the Patriots 35-23. Uh, to 23. The atmosphere in the stadium was something that I want to bottle up for the rest of my life because it was incredible. And DeMar Hamlin was the tone setter. He set the tone with the updates that we received. He set the tone with how he was able to progress over the week. Just less than a week after he collapses on the field, he is up watching his teammates from his hospital bed, tweeting about the game. Live tweeting, yeah. Live tweeting. <laughs> and then afterwards, he, he breaks down the team huddle with his teammates. It was sheer joy being out there on the field playing again, I think, for a lot of the Bills players and for the entire team to be back out there and to celebrate DeMar. The game felt like a big party. It felt like a true celebration, and I hope that atmosphere continues this weekend yeah. when we host the Dolphins on Sunday. Yeah, I was telling Steve, though, the crazy thing was you had just as – especially on that opening kickoff, you had just as many people crying as you had cheering in the – I've never seen yeah. that. I mean, it was almost a 50-50 split. It was crazy. Um, 
He's back. He's back. Trey White had a trade day, his first interception since returning from that ACL injury, uh, watching that interception go down. He ran the route of the receiver. You could tell his athleticism was on display uh, when he made that interception, when he caught that pass. Not an easy play to make with the way that his body was kind of twisted around and turned to be able to secure the ball. I mean, this happened when the Bills truly needed it. It was the first drive of the third quarter. The game was tied up 14-14, and the Patriots had a 10-play drive going at this point. Almost six minutes off of the clock, they were on Buffalo's 21-yard line, basically in the red zone, and Mm -hmm. Trey White intercepts it in the end zone. The pass was intended for Nelson Aguilar, and it was unfortunate that the Bills get the ball back and then they fumble, but it did wipe off what could have been a touchdown off the scoreboard. I just want to say... Nelson Aguilar almost had a touchdown at that very same spot last year in the yeah. playoffs, and yeah. somebody else picked it off. Oh, that's right. <laughs> My God, it was almost that's the right. same exact mm-hmm. place on the field. Yeah, and that I'll was crazy. This, and I, you don't want to read too much into his body language, but Nelson Aguilar, after Tredavious got down, he and he, you know, the play was over. Aguilar stood up and turned around and looked back at Mac Jones like, "What was that?" Like he was an alien. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know how, what it was called for on the play or whatever, but that kind of, you don't just don't see that from teams very much where the receiver kind of glares and stares down the quarterback. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Cause if you, well, it, it looked a, like he threw it to Trey, right? More yeah. than he threw it to, now. And as Maddie said, I mean, Trey got excellent position on the play and he really just kind of boxed out Aguilar from the ball. Like, right. Aguilar had no chance at that football. Right. Not and uh, but I was, you know, we're kind of the, there's a word called Schadenfreude. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. It's when you take great delight in other people's misery, which is where we are with the Patriots. Well, always, we, li- we live that every day. We live on that show here. <laughs> um, you just you continue to see signs that there are real, not just cracks in the veneer, but foundational problems they've got. Yeah. yeah. Be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Reliable is up next. That's going to Stefan Diggs. He was Mr. Reliable yesterday, getting back to his 100 ways, 100 receiving yards. It was his first game with over 100, or at least 100, since the Vikings game in Week 10. I love that they went to him early and often, and it worked out. He had some big plays, that 49-yard touchdown catch. It was a great throw by Josh. Allen, a great catch by Stefan Diggs. He was targeted 10 times. I love to see that big number in a game where they needed him to step up. He was the guy that answered. He was the guy that Josh Allen could toss the rock to, and he caught it over and over again. He's going to need to be Mr. Reliable in the playoffs. We know that, so I'm glad that they treated him like that in this final game of the regular season. So think about this. Stephon Diggs has got to be viewed in New England as a Bills killer. He had the three-touchdown game yep. last year. Yep. Um, then then the this year – he goes seven for 92 in a touch in the first meeting. <laughs> now goes seven for 104 in a touch in this meeting. He kills this team. He kills this team. <laughs> that, yes, he does. I mean, There's Mr. Just, Reliable is a very fitting award here, particularly for digs against yeah. the Patriots. Against this team. And then at the end of this game, the Bills defense came out and closed it out, and you've got the right place, right time. Right award. place, right time. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, that is you too, because they were in the right place, right time. To get, to get those interceptions, it's so good to see them come away with the football because there have been multiple times this season where they were right there and almost made a big play, almost had an interception, and it didn't work out for them. It 
was so good to see it work out for both of them in a game. Um, they've been so important to this defense this season. A lot of times when the defense was down numbers, these were two guys that you could rely on throughout the regular season, which they will also do in the playoffs, of course. Their time on the jugs machine is paying off. <laughs> I'm just happy for these guys. Yeah, and they both came off of tips, I think, if yes. I remember yeah, right. Both yeah, tipped. both came mm-hmm. off of tip passes, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, hats off. Who the, who's getting the Hats Off Award? Hats off to the NFL, celebrating DeMar Hamlin, honoring him with the T-shirts that we saw during warm-ups, to the threes on the field, to guys like Russell Wilson, who was rocking that three jersey. There were, there were a lot of things that we saw um, pregame and throughout the game. Davis Webb with his celebration yeah, after he that. scored that touchdown. And then also a big hats off, too, to the Bills medical staff and team that was honored and recognized in the pregame of the Bills and Patriots game. Love that they received some recognition. They definitely deserve it. What a cool and special moment for that group. Um, They are usually the unsung heroes every single season, particularly this season. We've had an injured team all year, and they have been working around the clock to make sure our guys are ready to go every single Sunday. And I love that they got... They got a moment to be recognized and to be the heroes that are that are in front of the camera rather sh- than behind the scenes. Yeah, and we should mention there's one member of that team that was not there because he's still in Tabani Cincinnati. Tabani Richards. With, yeah, with DeMar. It's Tabani Richards who's still there in Cincinnati yeah. uh, making sure there is a team representative there during – uh, DeMar's recovery. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure we recognize the Bonnie. And also well. shout out to Brownie for killing the call oh, yesterday. Nice it was so yeah. fun to listen to. Yeah. Fun. Steve and I kept mm-hmm. looking at each other going, he's doing a great job. He's killing it. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, uh, we were tapping each other going, hey, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing was I have to wear glasses because, and usually people he don't see official. me. People don't see me in glasses, but Anything over 80 yards away from me, I need glasses. It's a small prescription, but it helps. It just kind of crystallizes everything for me. And people, my mom texts me. She goes, when did you start wearing glasses? (laughs) I was like, mom, I've had these for two years. Like, but she only sees me around the house when they come to visit. So Mm -hmm. I never have them on. Mm -hmm. So I had to remind her, I've had these for a couple of years. You know, I got glasses. (laughs) Kind of helps. But yes, thank you. That was great. Great job. Good addition to the Maddie Awards, by the Mm -hmm. way, too. That was fantastic. Uh, We'll take a break early here so we can take a call or two more when we return. But those are the Maddie Awards presented by Energy Mark. And we'll take a break and come back to close things up here on a Buffalo Football Monday. It's One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And it's time for Vision to Victory, presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. And, Steve, it's, it's pretty straightforward here. It was big plays that got Buffalo the victory in all three phases. Very nice. Uh, offense, defense, special teams started out with the kick return. A uh, couple of long TD passes. And then, of course, the uh, interceptions to end the game. It was uh, it was a team victory, no question about it. And it was against a team that was really fighting and clawing yeah. to get into the playoffs desperate to give themselves to a in. chance. They were desperate to get in, and they put up forth a good effort, but the Bills were too much for them yesterday. And even in the emotional turbulence that was going on all week, the Bills came out and gave a really uh, played a really good game. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the – 
you know, the good news that surrounded DeMar's recovery. Yeah. Three interceptions by the defense, two kick returns for touchdowns by special teams, three touchdown passes by Josh Allen. That pretty much spelled out the big plays on the day, of which there were several. Uh, got a big one tonight here, Steve. I know our MSG viewers can see this, but our radio listeners can't. I have donned the University of Georgia hat. I am pulling for the Bulldogs tonight. He's got a kid that goes there. Yeah, my son's a freshman there, and he and his buddies want to celebrate tonight on campus in Athens. The game's out in California, but pulling for them to win so my son can celebrate a championship of some kind, <laughs> and hopefully he can celebrate a second one in about a month. Yeah, that'd be nice. Go for, Which, it, well, go right, for the daily gonna, double. What is he going to celebrate bigger? Bill's Super Bowl win or a Georgia National Championship? What's going to be well, – what's going to – this is a tight race here. We're right. talking about the celebratory capabilities of a college campus like Georgia, right. which is usually in the top ten for party schools every year in the rankings. And then you're talking about a Western New York community. It's always important in the vetting process. That hasn't celebrated a major championship since 1965. <clears throat> now, he has told me if the Bills win the Super Bowl, he is leaving school to come up here for the parade. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, the Bills fan – the. The, I guess the word for it is diaspora, whereas me, you know, people don't move here; they move away. Yeah, and uh, and you know, so there's Bill. We we know this now with social. Bill's mafia is everywhere around the planet. Yeah, there might be a big, huge mecca. It might become the mecca of Bills fans for that. You know, everybody would come back for that. I think so, but it would. There may not be enough hotel rooms. Right. But they don't people got, be staying with but their aunts and uncles. It. Yeah, yeah, they got family <laughs> here. Everybody's family. The family's coming in for the weekend. Yeah. Would you have? Would so if you so if that happens, here we are. Look at us sitting here planning our Super Bowl yeah. parade. We better better be careful with that. That's all I can say. I don't mind. I don't either. I'm That's, fine with it. We've waited we, long we, enough. Believe right? me, after this last week's events, we have about as much to do with what happens on that field as. Well, that's right. But we can dream about any dang thing we want. That's right. Um, are you going to watch this game tonight, Georgia Absolutely. TCU? Absolutely, it should be it high is, scoring. We were talking; I mean, it's both the quintessential teams. game between two guys that are absolutely quintessential college quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, Stetson Bennett and I, on Max the, Duggan. Max Doug, Dugan. I think they pronounce it Duggan because it's two G's. All right, they're like your kids' high school buddies. Right. I mean, they're, Duggan's a little short. He's only six two. Bennett's not big either. But Duggan, how tall is Bennett? Bennett's tiny. Yeah, he's not big either. My point on Duggan is I think he may have an NFL future as a, you know, day three pick. He's got a, de- he's got a pretty good arm, and he they watch. They run him like Josh yeah. Allen yeah, in the red zone. Yeah, he's a thick kid. He's got some They, he's they got run some him stout. like Josh, like he's they run Josh. Stout. But these two guys, I mean, this will be probably the pinnacle of their athletic life. Um, Stetson Bennett's a defending champion. I mean. That's right. He is. Going for the deuce. Right. Um if, if you're him, do you win this game and then just like say I'm done with football? I'm just going to stay down here and yeah, I mean and retire. Yeah, he's, on my he's similar in nature to some other Georgia quarterbacks, you know, like Jake Fromm, who was you know a late round pick and you know limited in terms of athletic gifts, but you know just has that moxie and makes plays. And, yeah, and Matt Stafford there though too, didn't they? Stafford's the exception. He's Stafford is the exception. He's a very good player. Um, but there's there's been a bunch that have come through there that really just don't pan out at the pro level. If you want to know how if you want how important it is, just real real quick, let's just let's just do this for kicks and giggles. You want to go quarter what's important? 
Here it is right here. If you want to go to the conference in AFC, it's Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Herbert. That's six guys that you're trying to crack into that lineup. you got to be pretty good. All of them got a pretty good arm, too. And, and they're pretty athletic. And pretty athletic. That's yeah. the formula. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for a Buffalo Football Monday. Thanks very much for all the callers who chimed in. We appreciate all the input. We will see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock when we turn the page to the AFC wildcard game against Miami. We'll see you at 1.